following program is paid for and presented by John DeMassey. The opinions expressed are not those of Town Square Media or station advertisers. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 presents Talk with a Purpose. Join the conversation by calling 609-407-1450. Now, the host of Talk with a Purpose, John DeMassey. Turn your air conditioner off. We don't have global warming anymore. <laughs> it's cool this morning. Uh, we'll never stop talking about global warming. I, I'm convinced of that. But anyway, good morning and welcome to another edition of Talk with a Purpose. Every Saturday we're here, 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Also heard on 1450 AM and uh, online, always online, streaming at WPGTalkRadio.com. So there's many ways to listen and we invite you to stay tuned for the next three hours because... We don't have anything to talk about, do we? <laughs> no, not much. We have a special guest this morning. Uh, rarely do we get authors here on the show, but we are intrigued by this uh, gentleman. His name is Jack Cashel, and he actually wrote several books, but his latest book is called Untenable, and it's about the, uh, I guess, white flight in, in the 60s. It's, it's really an interesting book. And he'll be here at 11 o'clock to talk about that. So we'll we'll get into that with him as well. Um, but in between time, we'll talk about a lot of things. And, of course, Donald Trump is always in the news. Another another indictment, another week, another indictment. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. And, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. I, I wanted to start... Um, of course, there's four Trump indictments now, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. I was watching Fox the other night, and it was Mark Levin who was on, and he had Alan Dershowitz on. And they were talking about how America has become what they called a banana republic, and they were referring to all the indictments of an ex-president, which they thought was unheard of. Just was thinking about this. Could you see, like, Dwight Eisenhower being indicted? <laughs> think, think of all the presidents. Could you think of JFK being indicted? And, uh, yeah, well, he, <laughs> he did a few things in the White House. <laughs> so... Uh, I mean, you just don't think of that. So I want to take that stand a little bit further. This country was founded on, uh, or at least I, I remember from grade school, it was founded on separation of church and state. Of course, Phil Murphy doesn't know that yet, but we'll get to that at another time. But I'm referring to this is really this probably snuck by you. A recent New Jersey Supreme Court ruling, not the the Supreme Court, the New Jersey Supreme Court, in which they sided with a Catholic school that fired a pregnant unmarried teacher determining that the termination was legally permissible. Boy, this this gets really juicy. This started in 2011 
the woman in question, her name was Victoria Cristiello. She accepted a part-time job as a toddler caregiver at St. Teresa's School in Kenilworth. That's Union County. Of course, everything happens in North Jersey in this state. Three years later, she was approached about a full-time position teaching art to elementary school students. She told her principal she would need a raise commensurate with her new responsibilities and that she was pregnant and would need to account for child care with her new work schedule. Okay, she told them that. And guess what happened? She was abruptly fired. That's right, fired. She was told... I mean, I can't believe this in this day and age. She was told that she had violated the code of ethics by having premarital sex. How dare she? Of course, she didn't tell them or she did tell them. Who knows? She was engaged to the child's father. That doesn't count, Okay. She just didn't discuss her, her marital status or whatever in work. Her lawyer, along with civil rights groups, including the ACLU of New Jersey, said the firing violated the state's anti-discrimination statute and raised double standards because only people who are visi- visibly pregnant could be held by the school standards against premarital sex. This past Monday, the New Jersey Supreme Court unanimously ruled that the firing was justified because the woman knowingly violated Catholic law and because New Jersey's anti-discrimination law offers exceptions to religious organizations. Is this a banana republic? Or what? Imagine... Imagine this, like if they had students, and I'm sure they do, all the schools do, if they had students that are pregnant, do they throw them out? No, they don't. So here is a woman who comes clean, says, you know, I'm pregnant. Oh, my God, she's not married. Well, she's going to get married. I mean, that's something that I I remember hearing in 1960. The Catholic Church, you, you can't have premarital sex. I think we've relaxed those laws a little bit in this day and age. But yet, here we are. So the woman is fired. They, they go back and forth appellate courts and all of this stuff and and the New Jersey Supreme Court says the Catholic Church is right. What do you think of that? And and I thought about this when I was watching this Mark Levin show and he was talking about Banana Republic. Well, here's another situation where there are definitely anti-discrimination laws all over the place. But yet, 
they get away with this? I, I mean, I, I just don't. Normally, I mean, I'm, I'm on the side of conservatism and all that stuff. But I just don't see, I don't see justice here at all. What are, what are we doing here? What, what, is, what is this country coming to? I mean, and then, of course, we have Phil Murphy, who denied you the right to worship back when COVID was rampant. So what are we doing here? What, what, what are we doing in this country? I mean, we're indicting presidents or ex-presidents. It, it just it never happened before, but it's happening more and more. And now when it gets down to this, I, I just don't understand it. I, I really don't understand it. And there are anti-discrimination laws and, and this law about religious exceptions. The Catholic Church is getting away with this. They, those laws should be changed. I, I, I'm just I'm sorry. But and I'm sure that uh, Seth Grossman and the people at Liberty and Prosperity will have a field day with this one. But uh, we'll, we'll bring him in. Seth Grossman, Liberty and Prosperity. Uh, he's here every Saturday with us and we welcome him in. Seth, good morning. Good morning, and you're reminding me of what we learned in law school in our first year, that <clears throat> hard cases make bad laws. And uh, I'm not going to touch that one, because, because, especially since there's so many other things going on with, with libertyandprosperity.com. First, a, a side thing. Uh, last night, I got uh, called for a public opinion survey, and I hardly ever got called for them, and I don't know if any of your listeners got called with, uh, on, on this survey. So they said, we, we want to talk to you about some important public and political issues. Would you like to, uh, you know, talk? And I said, sure, I got some time. Um, and they said, here's the first question. What is your race? And I said, I'm sorry, I don't want to take part in this survey. Uh, you know, I, I was just offended by it. Uh, and then, like, I guess, that actually this happened two or three days ago. Then they kept calling me back with different callers. Because I guess it's important statistically that they... You know, reach a certain segment, and and they, I said, is this the uh, survey where where the first question is going to be, what's my race? And she says, oh, I don't know, I didn't read the questions yet. And then she goes through it. You know, what's your race? Uh, before even asking me any questions. So I I'm, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm just offended by this fixation on race in this country. Yeah. That I didn't even participate in the survey. Yeah. Um, I, I would have been offended too. Yeah. I would. But just not. Another side thing in the war against woke Disney, uh, my daughter gave me, uh, who lives in Florida, gave me a little insight into what's going on. Uh, she was in uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, and, and she lives in South Florida, so she was driving by and they were making plans to, uh, you know, to just stay at a random motel on, on I-95 on the way down. And what popped up is... Uh, they had a chance to get a hotel for $175 in the heart of the Magic Kingdom uh, for the same price it would have cost them to just get a random motel on I-95. So I guess the lack of interest in Disney or the uh, boycott of woke Disney must be having an effect because she was just shocked that uh, it was so easy to get a room there. So so sometimes whether it's, it's Bud Light or, or it's woke Disney or whether it's Target or whether it's Best Buy, um, there's, uh, you know, when when you uh, tell these uh, these woke corporations 
that uh, you know we don't like what you're peddling. Uh, stay out of politics. Just sell us a good product. It does have an effect. So uh, uh, that that's going on. Also, that the top of the news, I, I, det- I detected a shift. The uh, Fox News Radio had that whole feature on Ron DeSantis. Yeah. And uh, for the past, I'd say two or three months, Fox News Radio didn't even mention Ron DeSantis. Would promote all the minor candidates. Uh, would promote Trump. So I wonder if that is something significant. So um, you know, I always like to keep you know keep an eye on what's going on there. But the the the, the main thing I like to talk about uh, this morning, of course, what's going on uh, in uh, Atlantic City. Uh, Senator Vince Palestina will be speaking. Uh, at our Liberty and Prosperity breakfast uh, this morning, Saturday, of course, if you're listening on Sunday, we'll go to our website and we'll tell you what he said. So he'll be answering questions. Um, but it really brings up a, a really important issue that we talk about all the time, and that's the issue of systemic corruption. We all know what corruption is. You've got a bad politician who takes bribes, does bad things, gets rich uh, at the expense of the taxpayers. But what we, but there's a professor at University of Maryland called Professor John J. Wallace came up with this whole theory of systemic corruption. And systemic corruption is where the corruption is so bad that if you don't take bribes, if you're not dishonest, you can never get elected. If you don't try to bribe politicians, you can't do business. And anyone who tries to be honest uh, goes broke. And um, uh, Professor Wallace pointed out that America is heading into that systemic corruption. And the perfect example is that $100 million bailout bill for the boardwalk. I don't know if you followed that. But uh, Governor Murphy was in town, I guess it was Thursday, actually last Tuesday. uh, And the Republicans and Democrats were all praising how wonderful it is that the state is going to be spending $100 million dollars to reconstruct boardwalks in Wildwood in Atlantic City that are falling apart. So where's this money coming from? Well, it's coming from the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 Stimulus Act uh, called the American Rescue Plan. And where did that money come from? Of course, it was borrowed. Uh, During 20 years of Bush, Obama, Trump, and Biden, we added $25 trillion to the debt. It started out as $6 trillion, uh, now it's $25 trillion, so we have about $30 trillion of debt. We have a completely fake economy where people get rich producing nothing, where people who produce everything are paid nothing. Uh, and yet this is not a story nobody even talked about. It, it wasn't even mentioned in the coverage of that $100 million uh, bailout of the boardwalks. I don't know if you saw something that I didn't see. Uh, I, I saw it. Yeah, I thought the same thing you did. <laughs> but 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 but, th- but then there's another thing about the the, the corruption. So not only uh, are we just borrowing money, creating a whole fake economy, because obviously if we're bailing out boardwalks here, you know every uh, city is, is you know spending tons of money on something that has nothing to do with COVID or COVID relief. But but then the question is, well, why are the boardwalks in Atlantic City and Wildwood falling apart? Why will it cost hundreds of millions of dollars to replace them? Because until the 1960s, 1970s, you never had a crisis like that. Uh, every year they'd replace a certain section of the boardwalk. Um, and, and so it, it, you know that the boardwalk's made out of wood. Wood lasts 15 to 20 years. 
So you know every 15 to 20 years it has to be replaced. So you do a little bit at a time. And so you're constantly doing construction. I, I remember uh, I talked to someone who worked on the Walt Whitman Bridge. They said, yeah, we're always painting the bridge because by the time we get done painting it, <laughs> it's time to give the where we started with another paint job. It would take 10 years to paint the bridge, and the, you know, the, the paint would last for 10 years. Uh, but anyone who owns a condominium apartment knows exactly what I'm talking about because uh, this is the same problem. Every condominium has certain big expenses that have to be paid every 15 or 20 years, a roof, Elevator, heating, air conditioner, painting and brickwork on the outside. And everybody wants low condo fees. And people who get elected to the condo board want to be popular. So there's a tendency to want to not just include that stuff in the budget. Uh, and then suddenly if something breaks down, you have a total crisis or sometimes it's dangerous and people get killed. So Florida has a law that says every member of every condominium board, and I know this because I'm, I'm on one, you have to sign a form swearing that you read the rules and regulations, and the rules say that you know you have to make a list of everything in the building that's going to cost more than $10,000 to replace, and you have to swear under oath that you know how long the thing lasts and, and you're putting enough money in the budget so if the thing fails, there's enough money on hand to pay for it. But uh, we don't have that law in New Jersey, and it's a, it's a shame because, uh, you know, the... The, the most irresponsible towns, the ones that don't plan, uh, that don't budget, that don't, you know, fix their streets until they're falling apart, they get bailed out and rewarded uh, with these state and federal bailouts. And, and while the good people who do what they're supposed to do, uh, everybody pays higher taxes because they don't get the bailouts. So if you reward, um, you know, incompetence and corruption, you're going to get more of it. And And I just think that in that story... Um, you know, people are not aware of it. And I'm sure Vince Palestine is going to say, uh, look, I'm, I'm a hero. I brought $100 million to our boardwalks. And in a way, I guess he is a hero uh, because if the whole system is corrupt, then if you're not as corrupt as everybody else, then you're not bringing back the bacon for your district. And so you'll get voted out of office. But that's, you know, one of the problems we're having with our democracy today. Yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing when I heard this thing about banana republic and i talked about it in this in my open it's it's just unbelievable where we're going with this country i i just don't know where where it's going to end yeah i, I don't know either <laughs> uh another thing we always talk about propaganda and if you want to know what the propaganda talking points are all you have to do is get the local press of atlantic city you either get it online or it gets mailed to you a day later uh, but they have this thing called 360 uh, that talks about all the top, you know, issues of the day. And if you believe in the woke issues, this is the woke agenda. The top issues in today's press are uh, America's not taking enough refugees. Uh, and they have all these hardship situations of these uh, refugees from Afghanistan who can't get to America. Uh, as if, if our biggest problem is we don't have enough migrants. Uh, they're talking about climate change and about how uh, we're not reporting enough deaths from uh, too much heat. And uh, that the Taliban are, are mistreating women, although they don't tell you what the word Taliban is the, uh, the, 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 the Urdu word for student. You know, they won't, they won't say that this, that this is Islamic doctrine. They're saying the Taliban. But what's really interesting, so that's the story of what they say the most important issues are this week. But meanwhile, buried in a tiny little article 
uh, on A3, uh, it says, teen jailed in fatal stabbing. A 16-year-old city boy is accused of stabbing another teenager to death in an apartment Wednesday on Caspian Avenue in Atlantic City, the Atlantic County Prosecutor's Office said. The teenager, identified as TC, is charged with murder, unlawful possession of a weapon, uh, and uh, possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose. The victim, age 16, died at Atlantic Care Regional Medical Center after being stabbed in the chest. So how come... You know, it's not a big issue that you have uh, 16-year-olds are stabbing and killing each other. Um, you know, where are the leadership? Where is the black community? Where is the outrage? Um, and these just get buried in, in footnotes in the newspaper. And that just shows propaganda is just not telling a lie. Propaganda is putting all the attention on issues that promote a certain agenda and completely ignoring much more important issues that don't... Um, point to an agenda. So I think that's worth talking about. Boy, you got a lot to talk about today. And and I just want to close it with this. Uh, So you can see how Democrats or woke Democrats, it's it's not only cost you in money, taxes uh, and high prices, it's deadly. Uh, People are getting killed because Democrats don't want to address the real issues uh, that are killing people and the media covers it up. And nowhere is that better um, shown than what happened in Hawaii last week. Um, you know, one of the things the media doesn't tell you is that Hawaii is probably the most solidly radical left woke Democrat uh, area of the country, even more left than New York and California. And there's a whole backstory to that. Um, we, we all know, or any historian knows, that Chicago has been the worldwide center of radical left socialist and communist politics for 150 years. If you saw the movie Reds with Warren Beatty, the conventions in Chicago, the whole communist May Day holiday started in Chicago. Um, And uh, and what we don't know, or a lot of people don't know, is in the late 1940s, your top leftist leaders, including Frank Marshall Davis, who was the uh, communist leader in Chicago, who was a close friend of Obama's mom and grandparents, they left Chicago and they went to Hawaii, went to Honolulu, Hawaii in the late 1940s. And I didn't even realize this until I looked it up on, on um, Wikipedia. There's a whole listing for the Democrat Revolution uh, of 1954 in Hawaii. As soon as those Chicago radicals get to Hawaii, all hell breaks loose in Hawaii. There's riots, there's arrests, there's strikes, there's complete turmoil. And in the end, in 1954, the radical left-wing branch of the Democratic Party takes political control of Hawaii, and they've been running Hawaii ever since. Now, what does that have to do with the fires you had there? Well, um, under total Democrat control since 1954, uh, at at first the media reported and said that, well, this is caused by climate change. But suddenly the media stopped reporting that. Now, Now, why is that? Uh, because it, it turns out that every year there's a dry season, and, and this season was actually wetter than the last couple of years. So, so drought or had nothing to do with it. The second thing that, came, that uh, you know, they didn't report was Maui, this island, has 400 loud warning sirens on the island to warn about fires, volcanoes, and uh, tsunami tidal waves. But they were never sounded, and they won't tell you who the officials were who didn't sound them. No one's being held responsible for it. 
They also so so these people had no idea the fire was approaching their homes until uh, you know they look out and they see the smoke and they 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 see the flames in the distance. But but it, but normally they thought that if there was a real danger, they'd get warning from these four hundred loud sirens that you could hear anywhere on the island. The other thing the media didn't report, at least I didn't see it, was that hundreds of people ran into the ocean. But there, you know, that was the only way to escape their flames. But there were no boats to rescue them, and that many drowned or died of hypothermia. You know, if you know that the only way away from a fire is the ocean, and we have a coast guard and we have marine police and all this stuff, where were the boats? Uh, and by the way, the media doesn't mention that the grass was not cut below the power lines. The same thing that caused the fires in California, uh, because the budget. Uh, for cutting the grass was spent on renewable energy and climate change. Jeez. And and by the way, there was a uh, it, when the fires first started, they wanted to release a water supply uh, to fight the fires. But the head of the uh, I, I guess that department uh, thought it would interfere with the ecology of the island and didn't release the the water to fight the fires. So there you see that Democrat agenda is deadly. And if everybody knew the direct connection between these woke Democrat politics and probably 500 to 1,000 people dying um, from this fire, uh, there'd be an outrage, but the media is sort of covering all that up. Boy, oh boy. I, I heard all that 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 stuff, and I, I really... Somebody's got to pay for that, you know? Or, 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 or will they? But you notice yeah. how the, 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 it's suddenly off the headlines or... Or suddenly the headlines, you know, and notice every news story you, so, you heard about it said, would just be in general terms. They would say, well, uh, you know, there are complaints that ofif- officials, I, I believe that the, that the Biden administration is sending emergency aid and is considering whether officials could have done more. But there's no reporting. If this had been, say, a Republican state uh, with, with, say, Governor DeSantis and this stuff happened, you even saw how they, they, the media tried to blame uh, Governor DeSantis for the 56 deaths uh, because of that bad hurricane that, that hit Fort Myers, uh, even though they gave every possible warning and the people who didn't leave didn't leave because they didn't want to leave. Uh, but here, where the people had no clue, uh, not one report anywhere hinting there's a connection between the Democratic Party regime running Hawaii uh, and these deaths. And uh, I'm, I'm pleased to note that uh, that looks like I'll get to the uh, meeting on time today uh, be, because uh, I had everything I, I <laughs> wanted to say. Uh, oh, uh, uh, I guess the final point is uh, Richard Summers. Every year, Liberty and Prosperity remembers our local hero, Richard Summers, who, who died on September 4th, 1804, fighting America's first war against uh, Islamic terror. And the, because uh, his story is not political, politically correct, uh, his story is no longer taught in our schools. You don't see him in Hollywood movies, uh, completely canceled from history. But we keep him uh, alive in our memory. And so if you go to our website, um, we, we have the event at the Richard Summers statue at 4 o'clock on September 4th. We have a fundraiser to pay the expense of promoting it. Uh, one hour later uh, at Sal's Cafe. But right now I'm on my way to Sal's Cafe in Summers Point uh, for our 9.30 to 10.30 Saturday morning breakfast. Uh, and this uh, week, uh, uh, Senator Vince Palestina will be speaking to us. Uh, thank you and have a great week. Okay, Seth, thank you. Seth Grossman, Liberty and Prosperity, the website libertyandprosperity.com. 
And, of course, he's headed to the meeting, which happens every Saturday at 930 at Sal's Coal Fire Pizza. It is Talk With a Purpose every Saturday, 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We'll get started with our callers. We uh, we have John, we have Craig, we have Bob and Al in that order, and uh, maybe you at 609-407-1450. We'll get started. Talk With a Purpose in just a moment. When it comes to you and your family's financial wellness, there are so many things to talk about. We could go on forever. To help guide you along the way, Joe Yakovich has written a book called The Heart of Your Money, Inspiration for Financial Wellness. In the book, Joe talks about longevity, inflation, retirement surprises, and many other topics. For your free copy of The Heart of Your Money, call the office of Joe Yakovich at JML Financial at 856-751-1771 or email Joe at jayakovich at brokersifs.com. For over 37 years, Joe Yakovich has been helping families throughout the area navigate the difficulties of a sound financial plan. You'll find Joe's approach to be different and not just the cookie-cutter methods that are prevalent in today's world. The path to your financial wellness and or retirement starts with a call to Joe Yakovich at JML Financial Group. 856-751-1771. 856-751-1771. Or email Joe at jayakovich at brokersifs.com. Joe Yakovich is registered with and securities and investment advisory services are offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. Member SIPC. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC is not an affiliated company. And we are back here on Talk With a Purpose. We're going to get started with the phone calls, so... Here we go. John in Ocean City. John, good morning. Welcome to Talk of the Purpose. Yes, good morning. This is a sort of kind of, now this is a rebuttal of DJ's uh, assessment about what happened on January 6, 2021, uh, regarding Air Force veteran, not Army veteran, but Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt. Now she was shot down and killed that day. She was shot down and killed <clears throat> that day. This, this is from the Department of Justice. Now, suppose, now not supposedly or uh, and it's believed, and I, I'm in the, I'm in that company of people that believe that he violated 18 U.S.C. 242. 18 U.S.C. 242 is um, willfully deprive a person of a right or privilege protected by the Constitution or laws of the United States. So her constitutional uh, right to be alive was violated. Anyway, you believe it or believe it or not, I think the whole thing was a setup. But here, U.S.C.P. that being off uh, Capitol Police officers. Use furniture to barricade a set of glass doors separating the hallway and speaker's lobby to try and stop the mob from entering the speaker's lobby in the chamber. The three officers positioned themselves between the doors and the mob. Members of the mob attempted to break the doors, break through the doors by striking them and breaking the glass. Now, she slipped through the broken glass of the door and was shot in his left shoulder by this Capitol uh, policeman, and she was killed. Now, now this wasn't on a... Another scene shows shows Capitol Police inviting protesters into the Capitol building, and it wasn't caught on that, on a um, a hidden security surveillance video camera hidden in some stairwell in, uh, in the Capitol building. No, it was open footage, open audio, video footage of Capitol Police waving protesters into the building. Now you're going to tell me they, they, they those Capitol Police were wrong? Okay, they were wrong, but they, they couldn't be stopped. They could, it wasn't caught, again, it wasn't caught on some hidden camera footage. It was open, uh, open, uh, air footage of these 
Capitol Police inviting the protesters into the Capitol building. So uh, you mean to tell me some some armed Capitol policemen can shoot down a... um, a pedestrian, an unarmed pedestrian, but they couldn't stop those prote- protest. They couldn't stop those cops from letting those protesters into the building. Also, uh, there's unarmed protesters outside of the Capitol building that never went inside. That are still sitting in Washington D.C. gulags right now. Also, Nancy Pelosi refused uh, President Trump's uh, request, and it was a request and urging of the National Guard to be sent there, and they were not sent there. So the whole thing smacked of a setup. Now, if it wasn't set up. If it wasn't a setup like I think it was, I think it was a total setup, and we fell for it. We, you know, they, uh, and it's okay to bring up the fact that the woman was an armed veteran, an, an armed forces veteran, because uh, they'll, they'll never stop bringing up the fact that she was a uh, QAnon and all, she was pro QAnon and pro MAGA. And I'm not pro QAnon, but I'm not against people that were. But not that being said, the left will never will never bring up William Baird, a uh, a, a, Glenn, a Grand Kligel of the Ku Klux Klan and him being a mentor to many of these Democrat politicians. I'll never bring that up. But they'll bring up anybody that, that supports President Trump as being some type of criminal. So all these people that, are, that protested on January 6th are criminals. But meanwhile, Ray Epps didn't do a day in jail, and now they're all of a sudden they're, they're, they're bringing charges against the guy. But how come he wasn't arrested on the spot? So Ray Epps was an instigator. Nancy Pelosi didn't allow um, um, National Guard in. Uh, Capitol Police were inviting all, uh, protesters into the building, so the whole thing smacks as a setup to me. But if it wasn't a setup, then DJ might have a point. But I think it was a setup. That's all I, have, I wanted to say. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks for the call. You know, that brings up a point, which uh, I've emailed a couple of callers. And, you know, a lot of times people bring up uh, conflicting points of view. And uh, maybe we should have debates here on the show between one caller and another. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? But uh, John is saying that uh, DJ was wrong, so uh, we'll see. Talk with the purpose is the show. Saturdays, 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Craig, Bob, and Al in that order. And maybe you at 609-407-1450. We'll get back to more of Talk with the Purpose in just a moment. But first, we want to tell you about B.F. Mazio. Yes, B.F. Mazio. The finest fresh fruit and produce you'll find anywhere. B.F. Mazio, of course, is uh, likely will be nominated for best produce store and best gift baskets. But it's it's more than that. It's gourmet items. It's prepared foods. It's baked goods. It's I mean, it's it's everything. One stop shopping at B.F. Mazio. In fact, the other week. I, I walked by one of the freezers and I saw sirloin steak and salmon. So, I mean, you could conceivably get the entire meal at B.F. Mazio. B.F. Mazio, 601 New Road, Northfield, online at bfmazio.com. And you want to sign up for the text messaging club. Yes, you'll get text message specials and coupons and all that stuff. All you have to do is text your number to 855-910-1246, and you are part of the text messaging club. It's all right there for you, B.F. Mazio, 601 New Road in Northfield, and again, online at bfmazio.com, bfmazio.com. You will uh, you will be pleasantly surprised if you've never shopped there. I, I mean, there's just all kinds of items in that store, just too numerous to mention. B.F. Mazio, 601 New Road, Northfield, and online at bfmazio.com. Coming back with more Talk for the Purpose in just a moment. 
If you're interested in driving one of the finest automobiles on the market today, then you'll want to check out all of the fabulous new and pre-owned Lexus at Lexus of Atlantic City. Lexus of Atlantic City, 3169 Fire Road and EHT. Driving a Lexus is like no other vehicle on the market. Test drive one for yourself at Lexus of Atlantic City. Whether it's new or pre-owned, you'll be more than satisfied. In fact, Lexus is consistently number one when it comes to customer satisfaction. Visit Lexus of Atlantic City, 3169 Fire Road and EHT. Or you can check out their outstanding selection of new, pre-owned, and L-certified pre-owned vehicles on their website, LexusofAtlanticCity.com. That's LexusofAtlanticCity.com. Or, if you want more information, call 609-641-0008. Lexus of Atlantic City, now celebrating their 26th year in the area. A dealership that you'll enjoy. No pressure, no gimmicks, no hassle, no hype. Lexus of Atlantic City, 3169 Fire Road and EHT. And remember, always online at LexusofAtlanticCity.com. Your WPG Talk Radio 95.5 AccuWeather forecast for South Jersey. A beautiful start to the weekend today with lots of sunshine and less humidity. The high today, 81. It'll be clear tonight with a low 56. Tomorrow's a mostly sunny, hotter day. We're going up to 90. And then we start the week on Monday with sunshine mixing with clouds. It'll be hot and humid. Monday's high, 95. I'm Mackie Weathers, Rose Tamburino on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Back here on Talk With a Purpose. If you miss any of today's show, you always have the Talk With a Purpose replay every Sunday, 5 until 8, right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. So if you miss a few things, you can catch it tomorrow, 5 until 8 every Sunday. Talk With a Purpose replay right here, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We are going to the phones again. Craig in Northfield. Craig, good morning. Welcome to Talk With a Purpose. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm I'm good. How about you? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, food is up twenty percent, <laughs> right? Jeez. Yeah. And uh, I, I just realized and heard that uh, you know people that are making fifty six thousand that forty uh, percent of their 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 income has to go just to housing now. Yeah, forty percent. Yeah, yeah. And and the new wave, did you hear about the new wave in California? No. The mortgages? No. A 60-year mortgage. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, those houses are a million dollars. This way you get to pay. Can you imagine when, remember, if you if you pay, had a 120,000 mortgage, you paid 360, right? Yeah, yeah. A million, you're paying 3 million back to the bank. Yeah. And, uh. That's a big problem. So the inflation, as you can see, is just uh, there's no inflation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, how anybody how anybody could vote for Biden? I mean, oh, come on, John. I mean, but but there are people who will like my cousin. <laughs> She'll vote for you know, John. Eighty one thousand votes. Just remember that I'm still looking for these bumper stickers left over, because if you recall, you know, when Trump was, you know, elected, there was leftovers. Yeah. And you know, there was plenty of leftovers from the Obama two elections. Am I wrong? You, no, no. You would see them. But yeah. How, how many, oh, how many Biden stickers <laughs> no, do you see? No, not too many. <laughs> None. So, um, you know, I have to say, uh, I was proud of Seth today. He was mum on the word Trump today. 
Thank you, Seth. <laughs> well, so, he, he gets some backlash from his uh, his constituents over at uh, Liberty and Prosperity, so... <laughs> as he should. And I, I, I want you to understand some of the implications that are going on here. You know, we got the Bill Barr, right, uh, yeah. down there talking about an ankle bracelet for Donald J. Trump. Did you hear that? I, I didn't hear that one, no. <laughs> no, he absolutely, yes. So what they're talking about, I don't think you understand here. This 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 implication down in Georgia is very big. And if Donald Trump becomes guilty, the Republican Party may have to make a reversal. And this could be a very difficult situation here, John. I want you to understand. Yeah, because, oh, yeah. Sure you know, that. there's there's there there's no there even if he becomes president and he gets convicted, he, you know, he can't give himself a pardon because this is a state thing, not a yeah, federal thing. Yeah, that's right. Are you aware of that? Yes, I'm aware of that, yeah. Okay. So, anyway, we got this week coming up, we got the big debate. Yeah, that should be interesting. Well, I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be interesting and who's going to be watching it because I think that day that Donald J. Trump is going to fly into Georgia and get his uh, bracelets put on. I mean, picture taken. Really? Yeah, I think he's going to go in and uh, and go in that uh, on Wednesday, and then breaking news. Uh, uh, it appears that Tucker's going to interview him while the debate's going on. So I'm going to ask you. So you got Chris Christie, you got DeSantis, <laughs> you got the woman down there in the Carolina Scott, uh, a couple other people there. Uh, who do you think is going to be watched? Uh, Trump. <laughs> I'm saving that one for Bob. You understand, Bob? There's a problem down there. You know, like I said last week, that uh, Trump has sucked out the oxygen of the room. And I agree with Bob. We're in peril here because our government is not acting appropriately, John. No. I mean, just no. imagine. Everybody, look, uh, how long did the Clintons walk around saying that the election wasn't right? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Did she get yeah. arrested? No. And that's what's going on here. Yeah. So if you said that this, listen, he had, in my opinion, he had every reason to do that. If you say that, we we don't have a democracy right now. No, we don't. Do you I, believe that? No, I, mean, I, I said that in the beginning of the show. I mean, this is well, really, it's it's questionable what kind of government we have. Your job's in jeopardy. Yeah. Your, jo your, your job as a talk radio host is in jeopardy. Harry Hurley's radio program is in jeopardy because free speech will be in jeopardy. That's right. Because you wouldn't be able to talk about that. That's Am right. Am I wrong? That's, uh, you're right. No, no, you are right. Okay, so I'd like to speak to our congressman right now. You need to stand up tougher, and I appreciate you. Oh, oh, I do. Congressman Van Drew, I appreciate you. But now, now we're in the ring. We got to bloody some noses now. You know, we have the power. It's time to let them know who's in charge and that this is no longer an acceptable. We need to take, you need to take the money, and you need to put the FBI and the Department of Justice and stop them dead cold in their tracks without any cash. So be it. They don't arrest any of their people, but they sure arrest in every single Republican that there is. Yeah. And you know what? 
this is a problem. Yeah. I'll leave you with that, John. Okay. Thank you for thanks, allowing thanks me to for, come on. Thanks for the call, Craig. Appreciate it. And speaking of Bob, <laughs> Bob and Kate May. Bob, good morning. Welcome to Talk of the Purpose. I'll tell you, Craig and I agree on a lot of points. I mean, the Trump, uh, all the Trump indictments are are total fraud. Yes. Uh, the, the election interference is, is based solely by the Democrats. And really, our, our Supreme Court should get involved. They should end all this, delay all these trials until after the election. This is pure election interference. And, John, you know, I want this election to be decided not by some bogus criminal uh, prosecutors, Democrat prosecutors. I want this election to be decided by issues. And, you know, I think our guy, Governor DeSantis, his, his fall in the polls is totally simultaneous with all these indictments. Yes. Now, we, we could say this is engineered by the Democrats, that the Democrats really want to run against Trump. We could say that. We don't know that for sure. You know, I, I don't really know what, what's going on for sure. What's that? Sorry about that, John. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your I don't know if this girl calls me. <laughs> but anyway, look, uh, point, point I, I want to make here, John, is, is this here. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the uh, question, and, and, and Craig talked about this earlier. Yeah, I just want to pose this question to, to a lot of the callers today. What are you going to do? Are you going to watch the Trump interview with Tucker? Or are you going to watch the Republican debate? Okay? Yeah. What I'm going to do is watch the Trump interview with Tucker. I'm going to tape the Republican debate. Okay? So I'm hedging my, my answer a little bit. Yeah. But, but uh, see, I think, I know, look, I got wind that this interview was going to occur with Tucker a couple days ago. So I got a text. You know, I'm, I have communication with Tucker. All right. He lives in the same area I live in in the winter. All right. Not far from me. And anyway, Wednesday, Trump and Tucker were having lunch. So I kind of knew this was this is what they were going to They were finalizing the interview. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So point is, though, I think Tucker's going to ask him tougher questions. Than he's going, than he would have gotten from a lot of these challengers. I really do. Yeah, and it'll be interesting what what Trump answers. You know, Tucker really loves Trump. He's going to be fair with Trump. But I think I sent you. A yeah, you did. Couple yes. pages, right? Yes. From the, the biography that Chadwick Moore wrote on on Trump. Okay, and in there, you know. Trump says, yeah, I love Trump, but there are many levels to Trump. Yes. And that as president, Trump was completely ineffectual. And that I wouldn't trust Trump to run my household. Okay? I, I saw That's that. what he said. Yeah, yeah I saw right, that. Now, yeah. now, now, he said a lot of other great things. Now, and I'm taking that, maybe I could be accused of taking that out of context. But, but the point being here is that, you know, I think we're going to get, a pretty interesting interview on Wednesday. And yeah, I give Trump all the credit in the world for and get, get going with this interview. I think it's a great move by both of them. Fox News gets it where they deserve. Fox News is going to have their ratings destroyed, yep. which is great in my yep. opinion. That's right. Uh, for the way they treated Tucker. And I think it's a smart move on President Trump's um, 
part because you know he if he attended the debate all the guns would be pointed at him right so you know it's a smart move i'm glad to see that that trump is doing some really smart things now i'm really that that is encouraging to me okay yeah it is but you know like i said you know before i i really think that that this election cycle let's forget these indictments okay We're, we're focusing on the wrong things i hope i hope the supreme court can 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 uh, excuse me for that, John. <laughs> that's, my, that's okay. This, but anyway, <laughs> the the Supreme Court really needs to to uh, to to get rid of this. Look, one thing I I, I want to call back it's ten o'clock hour. John and his first call is absolutely right. DJ's totally out of bounds with his conclusion that that the Ashley Babbitt killing was totally justified. That is ludicrous. It's just totally ludicrous. I'm going to call back on that one. Okay. All right, Bob. All right. Thanks for the call. You'll call back. Sure. That's okay. Talk for the purposes of the show. Saturdays, 9 till noon, WPG, Talk Radio 95.5. I'm John DeMassey. We have uh, Al in Corbin City after the break. Maybe we'll have you at 609-407-1450. Coming back. Final thoughts in hour number one after these words. When it comes to you and your family's financial wellness, there are so many things to talk about. We could go on forever. To help guide you along the way, Joe Yakovich has written a book called The Heart of Your Money, Inspiration for Financial Wellness. In the book, Joe talks about longevity, inflation, retirement surprises, and many other topics. For your free copy of The Heart of Your Money, call the office of Joe Yakovich at JML Financial at 856-751-1771 or email Joe at jayakovich at brokersifs.com. For over 37 years, Joe Yakovich has been helping families throughout the area navigate the difficulties of a sound financial plan. You'll find Joe's approach to be different and not just the cookie cutter methods that are prevalent in today's world. The path to your financial wellness and or retirement starts with a call to Joe Yakovich at JML Financial Group, 856-751-1771, 856-751-1771, or email Joe at jayakovich at brokersifs.com. Joe Yakovich is registered with and securities and investment advisory services are offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC, Brokers International Financial services llc is not an affiliated company back here on talk with a purpose 609-407-1450 is our number here in the studio let's talk to al in corbin city al good morning welcome to talk with a purpose how are you doing this morning good how about you i can't complain uh i you know i'm torn uh about that catholic uh, uh firing yes because in one sense i hate the government being involved in the church at all, uh, and I'm not particularly Catholic, uh, yeah. though I am. Uh, I I go to church every Sunday as much as I can, because in my profession it's a little hard. But um, you know, I, I, I you know, I'm torn. I, I agree with you. It seems very unfair. Yes, but on the other hand. I like the idea of keeping the state out of the uh, of how the church handles something like that. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I understand. But, but you know, I just thought 
you know, we went through this in the 60s, you know, the Catholic Church, oh, premarital sex. And now here's a woman who says, hey, I'm engaged. Okay, I'm pregnant, but I'm engaged to the baby's father. And they fire her. I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's not, it, you know, one hundred percent. I, I, I know in my church we would applaud the fact that she was getting married. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's that's what I thought. You know, but you know, the other part of it, uh, you know, as a libertarian too. I mean, I, I like to keep the the, the uh, government out out of decisions that churches make. Yes. And, and that, that's that's the part that, you know, I kind of agree with him on. Yeah. Uh, I don't agree a lot with the, the Supreme Court of uh, New Jersey because it's a very liberal Supreme Court. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, yeah. All right, well, I have a wonderful day. You Talk too, about. Al. You too. Thanks for the call. Well, you know, th- th- there was a, a tough question, but I just think that... What happened to separation of church and state? That was that was all my point was that <laughs> here we have the Supreme Court of New Jersey getting involved in this. I, that that is what what question I had about the whole thing. Tony and AC. Tony, good morning. Welcome to Talk with a Purpose. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the uh, taking my call. Thank you. I was listening up to uh, Rita Cosby and her partner Katz. Are you familiar with them? Cosby and Katz the, um, on 84 WOR? Uh, vaguely, vaguely familiar yeah. with them. Rita Cosby's been on the... Yeah, I drove her once. I'm a limo driver. <laughs> okay. And this is for all your audience, a very high tech. She was discussing this gentleman who had claims to have video evidence of hand signals during the January 6th uh, riot. Or that, you know, Jim Jordan says that there were like 45 undercover agents at that scene. Yeah. Right? Now, I'm talking to you and your audience because I'm I'm barely able to use a phone. And uh, I do, I just upgraded so I can go on a walk in the boardwalk. I can get your radio station. Good. To me, 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 that's like an Einstein moment, you know. Yeah. So we were hardly in cats. She mentioned something like he had, he's going to release this information soon, and there was like an MD4 podcast, or his the gentleman's name I don't know. So um, uh, I'm authorizing you. Okay. Under <laughs> the Limo Authorization Act, authorized, <laughs> Limo Authorized Act, for you, you and your audience to try to find out the gentleman's name when he's going to release this supposed information but he said they were using he he's a he's a video analyst that's what Rita was saying he's a guy that analyzes second half second by minute half second of the whole scenario of the riot and uh, I enjoy your show when I get to listen and uh, I put it out there and hope uh, we'll get some results okay well thank you for uh, giving me the limo act <laughs> that's a new one hey you know you listen to this show you never know what's going to happen but uh, hand signals, huh? That's a new one. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll check that out. Talk for the purposes of the show. Saturdays nine till noon. WPG Talk Radio ninety five point five. Hour number one rapidly coming to a close. In hour number two, um, well, I guess it's going to be all Donald Trump all the time. Uh, another survey, and we'll talk about that. And 
you know, he's going to be interviewed by Tucker at the same time the debate is on. But there's nothing he's going to gain, in my opinion, by attending that debate. So he's going to do his own thing with Tucker. And that's that's fine. But uh, we're going to talk about that. And also, speaking of people trying to, uh, to get Trump, there was a Canadian woman, and we're going to talk about that. She tried to poison President Trump while he was in the White House. And uh, she is going to jail for 22 years. That's right, 22 years. I tell you, there's all kinds of crazies out there. (laughs) Really. Uh, And when you hear how she made this, this poison, it's... It's unbelievable how people come up with these things. But she did, and now she is going to pay the price. Talk with the purpose of the show, Saturdays 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5, hour number one in the books. Hour number two is on the way, and don't forget hour number three. Author Jack Cashel wrote the book Untenable, very interesting book, and we'll talk to him as well. Hour number two on the way. Don't go away. FM and 1450 AM WPTG Atlantic City, WENJHT3 Millville, a town square media station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 presents Talk with a Purpose. Join the conversation by calling 609-407-1450. Now, the host of Talk with a Purpose, John DeMassey. Hour number two, Talk with a Purpose, every Saturday, 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5, also heard on 1450 AM and online at WPG Talk Radio WPGTalkRadio.com. People always tell me I don't give out my email often enough, so uh, I'll give it out. JDADV1 at Comcast.net. So you can email me anytime. JDADV1 at Comcast.net. Hour number two underway, and we got a lot to talk about here on the show, mostly Trump stuff. Uh, another survey, and it shows, as we would expect, that Donald Trump has a commanding lead for the Republican nomination and a lead in the general election among Republicans. But hold on. In a crucial warning sign for the former president, President Trump faces glaring vulnerabilities heading into a general election. Most Republicans, 74%, say they would support him. However, 53% of Americans say they would definitely not support him if he is the nominee. An additional 11% say they would probably not support him in November 2024. So let's see, 53, 
and 11 is 64. Uh, it doesn't look good here. <laughs> Doing the math. And we've talked about this before. Does this mean that there are alternatives to Trump as far as the Republican nomination is concerned? These findings may bolster that support, but or is four indictments, no matter how flimsy we think they are, are they too much for many? And I'm going to do something now that I never thought I'd do. As Chris Christie has said many times, you know, you know, I, I must have got up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm quoting Chris Christie. Uh, Donald Trump cannot win the general election. And maybe this survey points it out. But then again, let's go back to 2016. Every survey Every day said Hillary would win. And that didn't happen. So you you don't really know. I mean, there are people like my cousin who wouldn't vote for Trump if he was the only one, he was the only candidate there. The poll was conducted August 10th, 14th. It's, uh, it's just... It's a question that will be a question up until the election in November of 2024. That, you know, how much do you pay attention to these surveys? Look, a lot of, a lot of people have said, I wouldn't vote for Trump if he was the last one standing. And, I, and, and there are those who, who, who say that. And there are those who say he's, you know, he's a dictator and all of that stuff. All of that, you know, it just, it goes on and on. But who do we listen to? I mean, another, could you imagine another four years of Biden or of a Democrat? We won't have a country left. We were just talking about on the traffic report. He was saying $50 feeds a family of four for a month. In what world is that? $50 feeds a family of four. I, I spend more than that, and I'm one person at the supermarket. So it's it's inflation, and the Biden administration has just gone, gone crazy with that. How could they – how could anybody in their right mind – Vote for Biden or a Democrat. I mean, just just think of the facts. Don't don't look at oh, I don't like Trump. No, let's look at the the, the facts. And the facts are: are we are we better off now than we were a couple of years ago? No. Thank you. So how how could we how could we? Just vote for a Democrat. That's why this this thing is um, it, it's it's crazy. Thinking about these surveys and look, there's going to be another couple of surveys. <laughs> there's going to be surveys upon surveys. Look, Trump's got the Republicans. 
It's the ones, and I've said this before, it's, it's, he, that's not the ones that he's got to worry about. He's got to worry about those people that, that don't actually think he's, he's all that. The marginal voters. That's what he's got to concentrate on. 609-407-1450. 609-407-1450. Let's go back to the phones. John in Ocean City. John, good morning. Welcome back. Jane. Oh, Jane. Oh, Jane, I'm sorry. Jane. Yeah, that's okay. No, I, <laughs> I, I'm not transitioning. Um, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I don't get to call uh, talk radio very often, but I, there's a couple points I wanted to mention because I did listen to your show last week, but I didn't get to listen to it till Sunday night. So okay. that's one of them. But first of all, Seth Grossman missed a perfect opportunity because when they ask me in a survey, what's your race? I say human. You know, it's absolutely flabbergasted. Now, about the Catholic school, uh, the young lady who was pregnant, I think they had every right to fire her because here's the situation. She she had been a student at that school. Yes. And then she was working as a substitute teacher. And when they asked her to, to be a part of the permanent staff, that's when she disclosed it. But she also had to sign a pledge that the school requires of all their teachers that they understand the rules and the stipulations of, of that school, you know, all the religious rules and everything. So she knew what the rules were. And the, the, if the rule is you cannot be unmarried and pregnant, as unreasonable as that might seem to some of us, that's the rule. And you have to, as, as any sports team or any business office, you have to play by the rules. And so, you know, I might think it was a little harsh, but at the same time, I think they had absolutely every right to fire her. Yeah, but it was discriminatory. Well, and, and that's what, what I was pointing out, that there's anti-discrimination laws. And did they violate that? That's the well, question. They would, you would, I think you would determine that if they allowed other unwed pregnant teachers on the staff or by extension, if they allowed male teachers on the staff who were unmarried living with a, a pregnant or a partner with children. But if that applied to everybody equally all on the staff, no matter what your age was, no matter what your race was, anything, then I don't think it's discrimination. I think it's simply having the right to set your own rules and standards as you do in any business place. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's... You're right about that, but I I just got this thing in my head that... I don't know, maybe it's the Catholic Church. I, I... well, I, there are a lot of problems yeah. with the Catholic yeah. Church, and, you know, I'm former Catholic. I, I totally get it, you know. But and the, the third point I wanted to bring up is last week there was a, a discussion about Ocean City and the raising, doubling of the salaries oh, for yeah. city council. Oh, yeah. Now, I live in Ocean City. I've lived here for 38 years, you know, homeowner, re- resident for, for a long time. And I do agree that I think it's unreasonable to double these salaries because i think what they are really is stipends they're not salaries these are all wage earning working people whose source of income is through their job yes and this is kind of somebody online referred to it as their side hustle yes so i i certainly think a stipend is in order but to double it to the point where the mayor makes 
forty grand a year, uh, I think is unreasonable. Yeah, in, in I, this economy, and I, but Ocean absolutely, City, absolutely, we are not a bedroom community. People, uh, we're discussing it as if Ocean City is this trivial community that has no year-round residents. We have no community. We have nothing. We're just kind of this, you, you know, bedroom community from for rich people from Philadelphia, and that's really not the case. No, it isn't. You know, no, it's, no. it's it's a small community, but it's it's more thriving, I think, because we do, unlike other communities in the area, we have a K to twelve school system. We have a lot of churches. We have very good police and EMT departments and fire departments and. <laughs> You know, so it's it's it is a small town, but it's not a bedroom community by any standard. And last, I would I compliment you for bringing on Jack Cashel because the other night he was on C-SPAN discussing this book, and I have to get it. He is. I wound up watching the whole interview on C-SPAN. He is a wonderful writer, and yes. he he wrote one of the best biographies of Muhammad Ali. It's called Sucker Punch, and I recommend that. And I also recommend a book he wrote called If I Had a Son about the Trayvon Martin case because he analyzed and deconstructed that case like nobody else did and really separated fact from, from media fiction. Both wonderful books, and this book is definitely on my I am going to buy it list. Yes, I, I read it. I, I read it, and I couldn't put it down over the past week, so it's a good book. Jane, yeah, he, thank, you, thank you. Uh, thank you. For thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Bob and Kate May. Bob, good morning. Welcome to Talk of the hey, Purpose. Hey, John. Look, uh, I want to talk about the, the January 6th Ashley Babbitt killing. She was five foot two, weighed 110 pounds. Never had a criminal record, and yeah, I saw I saw the the film also, and th- there had to be another way of restraining or preventing that woman from getting inside the I guess it was the, the Senate chamber, uh, other than using deadly force. You know this this cop Michael Bird, who, whose identity was kept from the public for a long long time. This guy was a bad cop. That's the real explanation. Uh, he, he was he left a loaded gun in a men's room. I think he lost the gun in the Capitol. A loaded gun. Okay, that that by itself should have been grounds for firing him years ago before he was able to to commit yeah, this un, yeah. unjustified killing. Uh, you know, I, I would love to have DJ go in front of Ashley Babbitt's family and and pronounce how justified that killing was. You know, it just seems like he he always goes on the side of the police. Police can do no no wrong. Well, in this case, they did. Pl- this cop did plenty wrong. Right there, there was just no way that this woman was was going to. She just did, there was no justification at all. I just don't see it, and I, I think, I think, ninety nine point nine percent of the people that see the evidence will come to the same conclusion. I really do. You know, this January sixth, the whole January sixth situation was a pure setup. It was a setup to to destroy Donald. Trump. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I mean the 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 interview that Tucker did with William Sun, the the police chief of the Capitol Police, is very revealing. 
This guy was made the scapegoat. Why was he a scapegoat? Because he was never given any of the intelligence that predicted all the big trouble that was going to occur. Never given it. To, he, he, they, the FBI didn't share anything with him, and he had numerous calls with the FBI. Military intelligence knew knew what was going on. General Milley was sending the National Guard to pr- protect the homes of the generals in D.C., but not the Capitol. There, there, there were there were 150 to 175 National Guardsmen within eyesight of the Capitol when the fighting started. They were not allowed to deploy to the Capitol. In fact, they were told to go back to the armory, which was the other side of Washington. And then, and then, they were not allowed. The National Guard was not allowed to go to the Capitol until 6 p.m. after the fighting, after everything was done, after the. It's amazing. And this police chief, William Sund, was made the scapegoat. He was fired a day or two after this happened. Uh, Before January 6th, two, three days before, numerous times he requested the National Guard. He made that request to Mayor Washington. Okay. Denied. Uh, Pentagon. Denied. Mm. All right. Mm. So... So, you know, as I said, it was a pure setup. They knew that trouble was going to brew. The the New Jersey State Police beat the D.C. National Guard to the Capitol on January 6th. Boy. New Jersey State Police. So, so, you know, I mean, this all could have been prevented. Pelosi would not grant the request for, for the National Guard help days before when, when the, the, the Capitol police chief. He's in charge of protecting the Capitol. Pelosi would not grant this. Her, the sergeant of arms who did what Pelosi told her to do, the sergeant of arms of the House of Representatives, told her, told this police chief when he requested the National Guard, he said, I'll run it up the chain of command. Well, the chain of command is Pelosi. Yeah, and and yeah. she knew what was going to happen. You know, she knew... Uh, m- Millie was warning McConnell and Pelosi that this was going to happen, that yeah. there was going to be trouble. They had they had the intelligence, you know. So you know, it's it's all there. It's yeah. all there. Yeah. The, the 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 woman who who was was the chief of intelligence for the Capitol Police. She kept this police chief out of out of the loop. She kept them out of the loop. Mm. She was given. She was given the information. Right, uh, hardcore Democrat, ally of Pelosi. What happened? She was promoted to the Capitol Hill police chief position for three months, and then she was given a very, very high-paying position as the chief of police for the Berkeley for Berkeley University across the bay from Pelosi's district. Jeez. That was that was the reward. Okay. So it's <laughs> Oh man. But yeah, you know, poor Ashley Babbitt, you know what? Yeah, yeah. She was she, she she took she took a shot and and you know this poor woman died unnecessarily. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's amazing that, that you know, 
DJ can come up with that kind of a conclusion. It's just amazing. Well, I hope he right, calls. John. Okay, thanks. Thanks Take for the care. call, Bob. I hope DJ calls because <laughs> a couple of people are calling him out today, and he's not even here. <laughs> Talk with the purpose is the show, Saturdays, 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. I'm John DeMassey. We have Tom, Linda, and Joan in that order coming up after the break. And maybe we'll have you at 609-407-1450. 609-407-1450. Back with more Talk with a Purpose in just a moment. Well, as you probably know, I miss my Lexus. <laughs> I've been driving Brand X. I mean, it's really Brand X. It's like Brand Z. Uh, it's a, it's a rental car and, uh, my car's in the shop being, uh, repaired. But, uh, you know, that's when you really miss it when you don't have it. Lexus of Atlantic City, of course, 3169 Fire Road and EHT. Uh, right now it's the Golden Opportunity Sales Event. It's happening until Labor Day. What does that mean, Golden Opportunity? Well, it means just what it says. It's a Golden Opportunity for you to get into a Lexus at special deals, special prices, special financing, all of that at Lexus of Atlantic City, 3169 Fire Road in EHT. In fact, if you go over there right now, Helen's probably talking to somebody about a Lexus, but she, get in line. <laughs> She'll talk to you as well. <laughs> 3169 Fire Road, EHT. And, of course, online at aclexus.com, aclexus.com. You can go online first before you go over there, and you check out the lineup of cars, and you'll see it, the SUVs and the sedans and the sports cars and all of that. You can check that out, see which one fits into what your budget happens to be, and you go from there. 3169 Fire Road is the address. Lexus of Atlantic City is the place. Tell them that John DeMassey sent you, and uh, they'll be happy to see you. Believe me. 3169 Fire Road EHT and online at aclexus.com. We're coming back with more Talk With a Purpose in just a moment. I'm Seth Grossman for LibertyAndProsperity.com. Richard Summers grew up in Summers Point when George Washington was president. By age 20, Summers had completed school, mastered a trade, and was starting his career as a merchant ship captain. But then sea fighters from North Africa went to war against America because we were non-believers who did not pay them tribute. They attacked every American ship they could find. They captured everyone on board, brought them back to Africa, and sold them into slavery. Richard Summers joined America's new Navy to stop them. On September 4th, 1804, Richard Summers died fighting them by the shores of Tripoli. His remarkable story was once told to every school child in America. But today, Richard Summers is canceled and forgotten. Please join me and our group to remember him on the day he died, September 4th, Labor Day at 4 o'clock. Meet us by his statue and mural by the library at Shore Road in Summers Point. Contact me for details or visit libertyandprosperity.com. Thanks. Back here on Talk With a Purpose, uh, we just want to remind you that we have a new feature. Well, it's not new. It's relatively new. It's called Talk With a Purpose On Demand. I, I like that, you know? I mean, TV has it. Why can't we? You just Google John DeMassey Podcasts and all the shows come up. It's that simple. 
There's like 180 some shows. You can listen to any of them anytime, anywhere, as long as you have a device. Simple. John DeMassey podcast. That's what you Google and all the shows come up. It's our radio on demand. Talk with the purposes of the show. Saturdays, nine till noon. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Let's talk to Tom and Little Egg. Tom, good morning. Welcome to Talk with a Purpose. Uh, this isn't Tom. This is Frank from Vent. Oh, Frank. Frank. Okay. Hey, John. <laughs> uh, so I'll be Tom if you want. No, no. He, he, he has Tom on here. Where, uh, where did you get Tom? Out of, where did you get Tom out of Frank? <laughs> Maybe I'm mumbling. Too much. I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> you, know, John, uh, you mentioned the marginal voter earlier, right? The undecided the yes. independents. Yes. Who are, I mean, I'm pretty certain they're going to decide the election again yes. this year. Yes. And what I don't, can't understand is a segment of people on the right, Republicans, that want to keep open this discussion of January 6th as if somehow they're going to persuade people by, you know, some new theory that's come up that with, with Antifa or a false flag operation. I think someone just called and said somebody was giving hand signals. Yes. You know, yes. Most, most Americans, most marginal people know what they saw on TV. They saw a mob of Trump supporters rioting. Yes. And I don't think they're going to take it much further than that. Um, you know, I, I also saw that interview with Sun, with, with the, the police chief. So, and he's a very credible guy, and I agree that he probably uh, was a scapegoat. But one important thing, John, uh, Bob mentioned when he said that he was going to, his boss, Sergeant of Arm, before calling in the National Guard, he was going to run it up the chain of command. But here's one important thing that Sun did say. He goes, he didn't have to do that, right? He could have called in the National Guard. He did not have to go to Nancy Pelosi. That people keep leaving that part out. And then the second part, when he finally did go to Nancy Pelosi, she approved having the National Guard men. Look, there were a lot of screw-ups, uh, chain of command problems. There was a lot of communication problems with different people in law enforcement didn't get all the... Uh, information that was coming in, no doubt. And I would recommend anyone maybe not only just watching Tucker, but look at the Senate, the bipartisan Senate hearing. When they called the police chief in, had, uh, you know, the people from the military, from the Pentagon discussing it, they all made a lot of mistakes. To switch that into some sort of story now, that it was a, a setup, it was definitely a setup. Well, Give me the evidence. Give me the evidence that Nancy Pelosi refused to uh, Donald Trump's uh, offer to send in the National Guard. She was out of the loop, John. Her, the people that were supposed to call in the National Guard were sergeant at arms in the Capitol Police. But here's what I say. If you want to convince people, provide the evidence. Yeah. Provide the evidence that Nancy Pelosi refused to have the uh, National Guard come in. Give me all the evidence you have of Antifa. Give me all the evidence you have of an FBI operation, you know, some secret operation. That might convince people. But until you do that, you know, and, and I mean evidence more than something you saw on Facebook. 
Yeah. Something tough is playing. Yeah, then I think maybe you'll convince people, but as it is now, people are not, uh, they know that what Trump supporters did that day was wrong. That's what most people believe and they saw. And if you're going to change minds, give us real concrete evidence. You know what I got out of that, Frank? That just like the stolen election, we keep bringing up January 6th. The two things, the two things that really will destroy people from voting for Trump in 24 is bringing up those things because it reminds people that, you know, at at some point in, in his presidency, it was chaotic. And so, you know, you, you got to get past that. And I, I don't see us getting past that. And that, that's, that's part of the problem of why 53% say they will not vote for him. So, uh, well, th- well, Trump definitely won't let you get past the stolen election. You know, yeah. that's, yeah, thing. that's, that's but, true. But I don't think other Republicans have to keep reminding people of that, that there's some other, uh, scenario that yes. happened in January. Yeah. We know what we saw. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. that's what I think. Yeah. Frank, thank you for the call. Linda Napseek and Linda, good morning. Welcome to Talk with a Purpose. Wow. Respectfully, Frank, where have you been? Yeah. Really? I mean, uh, I do. I mean, I I don't want to have to start with the first impeachment and then morph into the second impeachment and now go to J6. You have a lot of research to do, gentlemen. So, uh, yeah, the officer... That uh, shot Ashley Babbitt? Yes. When he finally made an appearance, and like Bob Progner said, it took an awful long time to get his name, let alone his appearance. I can remember seeing him on television, and you saw him behind a door, and you saw, and this is a no-no for officers, as it was explained to me, and probably the article explained it that way. You saw the officer's finger on the trigger. That yeah. was a no-no at the time. And I remember him having, it's reported that he had said he was concerned about Ashley Babbitt, uh, Ashley Babbitt and what he was concerned about. Guess what he was concerned? I mean, do you recall hearing anything like this? No, I didn't. What no. he was concerned about no, with I don't. Ashley? No. Her backpack. Oh. He was concerned oh, okay. about her backpack. And do you know what was in her backpack? Uh, probably nothing. <laughs> A bottle of water yeah. and her sweater. Yeah. 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 Re- really uh, destructive weapons, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, to go over to uh, a great topic, and um, this, that, it, which is the Bible. And uh, marriage is, this is over in Hebrews in the New Testament. Marriage is honorable and all. This is God's word, by the way. Marriage is honorable and all. And the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. So it's pretty serious, and and it's not something that we have to uh, come of age and and adjust our thinking. No, we have to adjust our thinking to what God says about a situation, not what we think society says, and and put our and put our imprimatur on what society says. For heaven's sake, look what society is saying now. I mean, your show only has, I mean, you have a great show because you have callers who know what the truth is. Right. But there, I just, I just want to close saying this. You know, there was a man 
who uh, and, and it's now this is found in Corinthians. This is in the New Testament, and he was living with his. He was he was in church. And he was committing fornication, and the Apostle Paul is saying, it's reported that there's fornication going on among you. And he says, such as, that's not even, doesn't even happen among Gentiles, that one should have his, he was living with his stepmother, in other words. And he says, you're puffed up, and you have not mourned for this man. And then he goes on to say, get him out. Put him out of the church. Don't you know a little leaven will leaven the whole loaf? That means sin is contagious. Get him out of the church. For he was being turned over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, because sin will make you sick. So he's being turned over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the long and short of it was the church listened, and then they put him out of the church. And Paul comes back and he says, I mean, I, you know, with, 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 with naming the Lord Jesus Christ, him and the Lord, they're, they're, they're together on this. And uh, so what happened is the man, he got put out, and, but then he came back, he repented. And uh, so Paul's explaining that, you know, we, 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 know the, we know how Satan deals. Welcome him back. Forgive him and welcome him back. And Paul goes on to say, now I'm not talking about people who are outside of the church, people who don't know the Lord. But basically what he's, he's saying, and this, I mean, you don't hear this stuff preached in church anymore, but this is Bible. You'll hear it in Pentecostal churches, and you might hear it in a confession at Dab here. I, I, I don't know what you'll hear, I, so let me forget that. So he's saying, hey, Paul's telling the congregation, you know, don't, and he's saying, people who are in the church, don't, you cannot tolerate this. It's, it's, it's unacceptable. He said, I am telling you with people in the church that you don't keep company. Any man who says he's a brother, if any man is a fornicator, See, fornication's big. You might, so married people commit adultery. You might have let young people might be do, doing a little fornicating. But if any man that is called a brother, be that's what we're saying, a Christian, be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one, don't even eat with them. Sin is deadly. We're in a society that we have watered it down. Sin will make you sick. Fools for their transgressions are afflicted. Jesus has come that we have life and have it abundantly. Get your, get, get, get your sin under the blood and rethink what you're doing if you've done something wrong and repent of it. So, Linda, so Linda yes, <laughs> after that, I would, I would assume that you agree with the uh, Supreme Court decision in New Jersey that the uh, the woman... I don't agree with anything in New uh, Jersey. What the... <laughs> okay. But... I, I, I don't know what the Supreme Court said. I mean, sh- did the church have a right to do that? Yeah, that, that so you're saying that the Is church that had a right? No, I'm, I, with New Jersey, I don't, I don't trust New Jersey in anything. And I should probably shouldn't say that. Probably a, a, something good does squeak through once in a while. <laughs> 
No, but that's how the church, that's how the Catholic Church is operating. And uh, so I guess you go get a job somewhere else. Okay, Linda, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Talk with the purposes of the show, Saturdays, 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Joan, John, and DJ. Oh, I'm sure he has a lot to say. <laughs> we'll get to all of you after the break, and maybe you as well. 609-407-1450. I'm John DeMassey. More Talk with a Purpose after these words. The market is up. The market is down. I know from day to day, there's a fair amount of volatility. You worry, I worry. We all worry, but not so much when you have a sound financial plan that doesn't depend completely on the market. Hi, I'm Joe Yakovich with this Money Minute. You'll find some real insights in my new book, The Heart of Your Money, Inspiration for Financial Wellness. In this book, I explain in detail how I approach financial planning, retirement, insurance, and many other topics. For a free copy of my book, The Heart of Your Money, simply contact my office at 856-751-1771. That's 856-751-1771. Or you can email me at jayakovich at brokersifs.com. I'm Joe Yakovich with This Money Minute, and thanks for listening. Want to save money in these inflationary times? Write this number down, 855-910-1246, 855-910-1246. Text your number to that number, and you'll be part of BF Mazio's Text Message Club, where you'll receive specials and coupons that will save you money. BF Mazio, the finest fresh fruit and produce you'll find anywhere. Gift baskets, catering for all occasions, and more. 601 New Road, Northfield, online at bfmazio.com. Your WPG Talk Radio 95.5 AccuWeather forecast for South Jersey. For this afternoon, mostly sunny with low humidity. Just a beautiful start to the weekend, high 81. Mainly clear, stargazing night, that low dip at a 56. Sunny, hot tomorrow. Smoke from distant wildfires will enhance both the sunset and sunrise for you. High 90 to wrap the weekend. Come Monday, hot and humid with sunshine mixing with clouds. High 95. I'm AccuWeather's Ruth O'Brien on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Back here on Talk With a Purpose. Again, give out my email address, jdadv1 at comcast.net, jdadv1 at comcast.net. And uh, you can always like us on Facebook, our Facebook address, at Talk With a Purpose. At Talk With a Purpose is our Facebook address. And that's our show, Talk With a Purpose, Saturdays 9 till noon, WPG, Talk Radio 95.5. Joan and Absekin. Joan, good morning. Welcome to Talk with a Purpose. Good morning. Good morning. Let me just say first, I was so happy to hear Linda, um, that she sounds well. I was hoping she was well and on vac- or perhaps on vacation or something, because with this on this subject, she was quite conspicuous by her absence. And then I was I was told what number I was in line waiting to get on. And lo and behold, Linda was just before me. <laughs> yes. So you gave me my very first laugh of the day. So that, that was good. I laughed out loud when I heard Linda and Joan. <laughs> so um, on this uh, school, first of all, let me say I am not Catholic. Okay. This is a Catholic school. Um, it. I don't know. It used to be. I'm not 
you know, I'm not really into stuff as deeply as I would like to be, but I had always heard that, that uh, you know, that was private school. I mean, the parents pay their uh, real yes. estate taxes, yes. which, which pay for public schools, and then they pay a hefty right. tuition to go oh, to yeah. private school. Oh, yeah. Now, as I understand, and I think something that Linda said um, uh, held this up, that this, this lady was... Um, was teaching children that um, when she was offered the full-time job, it was, I think, art or something. But uh, this is a Catholic school with Catholic teachings. The parents obviously believe in these teachings, or they wouldn't be putting out that kind of money. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Now, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Hillsdale College. One of the things that they... Um, mention often is that they take not a penny, not in grants, not in student loans, nothing do they have to do with the government. And therefore, they are not beholden to the government in any way, shape or form. Now, I don't know if this if this Catholic school has, you know, a different problem, because I, I do believe that a lot of private schools do get some kind of monies from the government. Yes, but, they do. Um, now, stop and think. In your position, could you go to work on TBN or T- TCT in a position where you were in the public eye and um, and then decide that you were going to come out of the closet as a gay man and think that and would you think that you weren't going to be fired? Mm. I think it does not. I mean, that that would be. How could anybody say that? Yeah. Maybe it's you know some Dems would would find find that it would be all right, uh, but it's you know this. It's just like so many th- things these days with the with the political stuff. If you just sat down and and use the common sense stuff, yeah. Well, uh, well it's common it's, sense. Yes, you're you're right. It's common sense, but. My point was that it's it's discriminatory, and we have laws that say you can't discriminate. But here, the Catholic Church was discriminating, and she well, simply she simply said, "I'm pregnant, but I'm engaged." So, okay. So this she- is I, it, I mean, I, as I say, um, my my um, religious views. I, I'm sorry to say, are not as strong as I would like them to be. But I understand these. This is this is a um, a heavy duty Catholic belief. Yeah, yeah. And if she, and if she now again, I think Linda was mentioning, and I didn't realize before, this woman had gone through Catholic school. She, she and she, she, went she was very familiar with the with the Catholic yes. um, rules and regulations. Yes. No, th- that that to me that makes it almost a slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. It, no, this is as Hillsdale, Hillsdale College keeps saying, and it should be the same with the cat. Yes, it was discrimination, but the the school has its rules. Now, if you you call a rule being discriminatory, they had those rules before this woman was born. Yeah, let alone hired. Yeah, and she knew it, and yet she took the job anyway. And then she went uh, against the, the school rules and then expected them to say, oh, well, that's okay. 
<laughs> now, they, if they had wanted to be to to really stretch it, they should have just put her transferred her to a behind the scenes job for um, in some other way. But, but I've ha- I've brought children up, and as I say, not as strongly as I I wish I w- I was or is <laughs> am. Let me get that. <laughs> I did. I did better in English grammar than I'm than I'm sounding right now. But the thing is, if I if I sent no, I did send uh, one. My son did go to a a um, private Christian school. But if, if I went to school and I heard the and I saw something that was completely out of te- uh, text with the with the school rules and my beliefs. And the things that I was believing I was paying for when I enrolled and paid, I would be really, really a little pissed off. Yeah, yeah. That, is, well, that, I, is, I, that, I, is that improper? No, no, no. You, uh, that's all right. You, you didn't get the dump. Oh, good. <laughs> Thanks but, for the call, June. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, we can say that. John in Ocean City. John, good morning. Yes, in a British-controlled colonial America, a bunch of kids were having a snowball fight in Boston, Massachusetts. It was on March 5, 1770. A garrison of British officers were patrolling the area. They came across these youths having a snowball fight after 6 o'clock at night after curfew. The British officer lined them up in the uniformed division. He turned to the kids and said, you have to disperse from the snowball fight. It's past curfew. You need to go home now. With that, an African-American named Crispus Attucks threw a snowball right in the face of the officer and the, and the British garrison of Redcoats opened fire, killing uh, eight of them. No, no, killing five of them, rather, and severely injuring eight of them. It's called the Boston Massacre. Now, those guys are just doing their duty, right? They were just doing their duty. They were serving the British crown. But it was a catalyst to revolution. So, yeah, what happened on January 6th is a catalyst to revolution, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah the people with the easy answers are the ones that scare me the most, you know? It looked like a fire was. It looked like a bomb was exploded in Maui. Okay, a fire started in British Columbia. It went across the 49th parallel on the Canadian side, all the way to Nova Scotia, 3,000 miles. It was all, you know, naturally occurring fires. That's all. Uh, uh, Northern California land earmarked for UN sustainability for Agenda 2030 corresponded exactly to land burned in the Northern California fires. Nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. Building seven collapsed in seven seconds. Freefall. But National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, will have us believe it was because debris from Towers 1 and 2 fell through the windows and caused out-of-hand office fires. And on Manhattan Island, which has the most fire-resistant codes in the world. Now, don't let your lying eyes deceive you and tell you that was a, 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 an implosion caused by um, uh, a controlled demolition. No, 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 no. You have to believe what, what, what the standard narrative tells you. And the standard narrative has, has lied to us so far. The fact of the matter is that there was no... Um, National Guard there present at that at that at, the, at that event, that January sixth event, at all, and they showed up. At, what Bob said, they showed up after the after the after the shooting and fighting was done. No, that's too late. That's that's a lame answer from uh from DJs coming on next. I'd like to hear what he has to say. Thank you. Okay. Speaking of, <laughs> several callers have called him out. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say. DJ in Summers Point. Good morning. Welcome to the program. How you doing, John? Okay. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, I got n- no problem. Okay. Yeah. As far as, you know, everybody has their opinions about what happened that day, but I'll just stick 
with what I used to do for a living, my training, a little bit of expertise on what transpired that day. And I'm not going to change my opinion. The officer did nothing wrong. You can go off on different tangents, different directions, and trying to, you know, take away from what actually happened. But unfortunately, Ashley lost her life. Okay. But it happened. And it was not the officer's fault. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, Speaker of the House McCarthy said the officer was doing his job. All right. And that's all he was doing. All right. He was applying his training. He thought it, there was a serious threat of death or bodily injury, and he was protecting people of Congress. And it doesn't, it's very simple. You can go off and try to go off in different directions. All right. On this. Yeah. But it got down to what the film showed the actions of the moment, what was actually going on. And I find it funny, all right, that people have all this really strong opinion of what they, the officer should have done, all right? They've never been anything, uh, probably up against anything chaotic, intense, and threatening in their life. That's right. But you know what? That officer was, that detective was, oh, but that lieutenant was. All right, and uh, he did his job. Uh, DJ, like other a, police officers, what about I had intense situations myself in my career, even in laid-back South Jersey? All right, but you do what you're you're trained to do. All right, you apply the law. What about um, the backpack? The the, the, oh, back, ahead, the the backpack situation where he said he was concerned about her backpack. And uh, she had, well, of course, he doesn't know what's in the backpack, but she had a sweater and a water bottle. Uh, all right. But all right. That's that's yeah, it was a sweater and a water bottle. But yeah. it could have been something more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. OK. See, there, there you go. OK. All right. And so, you know, what normal person climbs through a window <laughs> in a situation like that? Yeah. It, OK. Shatters, tries to shatter the doors, shatters the glass. Yeah. 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 But, see, these got people got to learn. Yeah. Weren't there. You didn't have your, your butt cheeks in a tense because you've never been up against it. Yeah. You've never been put in that situation. And then you want to do the Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Get all the, you know, get all the headlines and try to come up with something. Yeah. And let me tell you this. All right. And I'm going to tell you, it was a Bob from Cape May, very seems very intelligent individual, likes Trump, likes DeSantis. I don't know what he do, does for a living, but I know one thing. He was never in law enforcement. Well, that I know. Yeah, I know that. Right? Mm -hmm. So he does really. Yeah. And he made a comment about me, about I side with police all the time. Well, that's ridiculous. Right. I didn't side with the officer in the George Floyd thing. Yes. Okay. I didn't side with the, the Memphis cops right now that are going through the system for what they did to uh, 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 Tyree uh, Nichols. Yes. Okay. A lot of times I don't side with police. And good police officers don't side with bad cops. That's not how it's done. Yep. But what I, you know, I rely on what I, you know, and how I call things is what I see. 
Yeah. And I go back to what I told you the, the first week after this happened, John. I looked at the tapes. This, that, and the other thing. The, the, the mob. All right. And I told you. And people just don't want to accept it. The officer did nothing wrong. He just did his job. That's right. That's right. Right. And it's, I'm, so, I'm That's sorry, it. guys. You, 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 sorry, like, but you call it like you see it. it. That's all. You call and, it like you see it. I think John, you know, he, 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 John throws so much stuff out when he talks, and, and that's fine. Uh, but I think at the end of the first time he called in, he kind of mentioned that what I said was right. All right? Yeah. But here's another thing. On that lieutenant about <laughs> he should have lost his job because he left his gun. And what Bob didn't mention, he left his gun. And which he admitted to, and he said, hey, he moved on. He, he took his, his discipline and moved on. He left his weapon in the bathroom. Now, people might not, not realize this, but officers usually take their gun off when they're going to use the facilities. Yes. And you know what, John? He's not the first officer to forget his gun in a lavatory. That's right. <laughs> Keep this to yourself. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> all right? Because I've known that to happen, all right, locally. Yes. I'll leave it at that. Okay. But we, we didn't crush their careers. You discipline them. Say, hey, wait, pay attention next time. Yeah. That's got nothing to do with nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Okay, DJ, thank you. Thank you for the call. And, uh, well, you you set us straight. Talk for the purposes of the show, Saturdays, 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We'll talk to Frank, and uh, that's about probably all we have time for. Before our uh, guest at 11 o'clock, Jack Cashel, the uh, author of the book, Untenable. We'll uh, talk to him at 11 o'clock. Final thoughts in hour number two after these words. Joe Yakovich is registered with and securities and investment advisory services are offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC is not an affiliated company. When it comes to you and your family's financial wellness, there are so many things to talk about. We could go on forever. To help guide you along the way, Joe Yakovich has written a book called The Heart of Your Money inspiration for financial wellness in the book joe talks about longevity inflation retirement surprises and many other topics for your free copy of the heart of your money call the office of joe yakovich at jml financial at 856-751-1771 or email joe at jayakovich at brokersifs.com for over 37 years joe yakovich has been helping families throughout the area navigate the difficulties of a sound financial plan You'll find Joe's approach to be different and not just the cookie-cutter methods that are prevalent in today's world. The path to your financial wellness and or retirement starts with a call to Joe Yakovich at JML Financial Group. 856-751-1771. 856-751-1771. Or email Joe at jayakovich at brokersifs.com. Back here on Talk with a Purpose. Let's get right to it. Frank and EHT. Frank, good morning. You're on Talk with a Purpose. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. Good show. Hey, Thank John. You. What was uh, what was uh, what was uh, Mary's uh, status on uh, she had Jesus? What was her status? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. 
Hey, how, last time I read, what was what's that phrase in the Bible? Uh, let me let me preface this. I've been raised Catholic. I'm a practice. Well, I'm not a practicing Catholic. I'm still Catholic. I love God. I love Jesus, and I love mostly everything about the Word of Christ in the Bible. However, I'm well aware of the flaws of human beings and and men in particular. But last time I looked, uh, Johnny, it said, uh, "Woe to the." To those who do harm to children, that uh, it would be better that they were cast into the sea with a millstone. I'm paraphrasing, so to speak, into the sea if they do harm to children. Yeah. Uh, pedophilia is uh, forbidden also by the Catholic Church, isn't it? Yes. Yes, sir. How's that working out for those priests <laughs> in the Catholic Church? Wow. Huh, Johnny? Yeah, that, 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 there you go. There you go. And that, that, the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. That's, that's, you, that, you know, thank you for that because I, I did not use that phrase, but that was what one of my points was the hypocrisy of firing a teacher for being pregnant when she's engaged. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I do know, John. I mean, I mean, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, but you got. You got thousands of priests who were pedophiles and practically destroyed the Catholic Church. That's right. That's I mean, that's right. With the government attacking also, but but again, the government couldn't attack if, if again the hierarchy of Catholicism didn't allow it to occur. You know, they did it and they were aware of it and they knew it was going on and they allowed it. And uh, a price has to be paid. But Johnny, um, can we can we? Um, like fire some of these uh, uh, unwed uh, mothers uh, with multiple children from different fathers that are on welfare. That the taxpayers yeah. can we fire them? Yeah, uh, so we're paying for them too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, we can't fire them. Oh no, we can't. They're unwed mothers too, and you know, <laughs> I just don't get it anymore. Yeah. What a country. Yeah. Johnny. Yeah. Hey, John, you know, the narrative about uh, America being bad, the United States, current uh, current situation, the for- form of government, John, yeah. Yeah. you know, what, the white founding fathers, uh, they, they, they're they the ills of all the world. And, and uh, hey, Johnny, can you name another uh, another system that's better than, the, the, you know, the one the founding fathers? Uh, no, no, I can't. Of? And Frank, I mean, uh, I'm uh, no, I can't. Frank, sorry. We, we got to run because we're up against the clock. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three, Jack Cashel, author of the book Untenable. What a book. And you'll find out what a book it is. Talk with a Purpose is the show. Saturdays, 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hour number three on the way. Don't go away. FM and 1450 AM WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 presents Talk with a Purpose. Join the conversation by calling 609-407-1450. Now, the host of Talk with a Purpose, John DeMassey. Hour number three, Talk with a Purpose, every Saturday, 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. I'm John DeMassey. We are pleased to have with us today on the show... One of the most prolific authors, and I knew about this book, but I didn't know about all the other books. But 
He's prolific. <laughs> Jack Cashel is with us. Jack, good morning. Welcome to Talk With a Purpose. Hey, John, thanks for having me. It's sort of like saying, yeah, he's no good, but he's prolific. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, well, listen, you know. Uh, I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't realize. I mean, I looked you up after we uh, talked, and I said, boy, this guy's written many books. I mean, yeah, yep. yeah, well, well, we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, your book that you're here about is untenable. And I'm going to let you explain it. What do you mean by that title, untenable? Well, I, you know, I can uh, get specifically to that. I, I was I grew up in Newark, uh, New Jersey, obviously. Uh, in fact, it's a nice thing in New Jersey. So I say Newark, I don't have to qualify it. Plus, people in New Jersey know that Nork is a one-syllable word, not a two-syllable word. Nork. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like fork or cork. Uh, and uh, in the middle of the 60s, uh, I was an adolescent, watched the city implode around me. I was right in the middle of it. I mean, it was sort of a ringside seat. And uh, my my neighborhood, which is Roseville, a small slice in Nork, was uh, by in 1960, perfectly harmonious, congenial, functional neighborhood. By 1970, it was a, a no-go zone. And it was a remarkable transformation. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, I, I interviewed you know over 50 people for this book. Uh, and he, this guy's a good friend, and I asked him, and he's a Democrat. Most There's a big transition of people who left, grew up Democrat, and uh, were turned off uh, to liberalism, essentially, by watching the forces arranged against them. But uh, my friend Artie remained a Democrat. And I said, Artie, uh, why finally did you leave? He was the last one out of my friends. Uh, he was living with his widowed mother at that time. And he said, well, Jack, it, it became untenable. And I said, Art, what do you mean by untenable? He says, well, when your home's invaded for a second time, that's untenable. When your mother's mugged for the second time, that's untenable. And you take Art's story, you multiply by millions, and you have the story of white ethnic flight from America's cities. Now, that story, this is bizarre, John, until I wrote this book, has not been told. No one has bothered. I mean, when I say no one, I'm, I mean being this literally. No one of consequence has bothered to ask the people who were forced out of their neighborhoods why they left and, and what happened to them after they left. Because a lot of them ended up at the Jersey Shore, you know. Uh, and yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because we were having a conversation, and you said that you said you know a lot of the people left the city and they ended up at the Jersey Shore. I said that's me. Yeah, right. <laughs> you described me, and you didn't even know it. No, and in fact, when I met with a uh, my group of my closest friends. Uh, to, to go over, you know, the, as a sort of a group interview for the book uh, last spring, uh, we met at the place that was closest to all of them, and we were 60 miles south of north. Uh, many of them ended up in Ocean County, Atlantic County, Monmouth County, and uh, and you can see it in the voting patterns of a place like Ocean County, particularly. Yes. You know, which went two to one for Trump. Yes. Uh, in a blue state, because so many of these people are refugees from the cities. Yeah. And when they arrived, and you know, you know this, I, I don't need to tell you or your audience this, but uh, people outside don't because they hear, oh, Jersey Shore, Ocean County, all sounds pretty glamorous. But what they were essentially forced into were these slapdash suburbs being carved out of the pine barrens. 
they were the only things they could afford. And, uh, you know, in time, those communities matured. But when they first arrived, it was pretty primitive. It was like arriving in, you know, 1840 San Francisco yeah, or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so it's basically then the story of white flight in American cities. Is that correct? Is, is yeah, that a fair told assessment? from the white, white perspective. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, these are the forgotten people of, uh, of America. And uh, whites, of course, were not the only ones to flee. But they were the only ones shamed for fleeing. Yes. And uh, in my book, for instance, I talk about Whitney Houston's family. Whitney, Whitney's father grew up in my neighborhood. I didn't know him, but I, and he's a generation older than I am anyhow. But, uh, and they, they lived in Newark all their lives. Whitney's uh, mother, Sissy, wrote a memoir about after Whitney died. And she talks about growing up in Newark, growing up in integrated neighborhoods, hardworking father, eight children, you know, busted his butt throughout the Depression, going to work every day. Supported the family, took him to church every Sunday. Uh, had a very sick mother. He took care of the sick mother. Raised all the kids to be, you know, respectful and proper Christian. And um, so she and John Houston marry. They stay in Newark. And then she writes in a memoir: "Our cozy little village started going wrong. There was crime and there was drugs. And then after the riots in '67, the Newark riots, I said to John, it's time to get out of here.' And they did. They moved to the suburbs three years later." That was a common pattern among any responsible parent. But, uh, you know, Asian parents did it, Hispanic parents did it, Portuguese parents did it, but only white parents were singled out for shame. Yeah, that, that's, that's really... It's always, it's always the case. Blame the whites. <laughs> well, yeah. otherwise they have to blame themselves. Yeah. The people who created the system that uh, made... Uh, family formation in the black community uh, a liability. I mean, in other words, they set up a series of programs. I'm talking here about government bureaucrats in general. Set up a series of programs in which uh, they promised more rewards for unmarried mothers than they did for married mothers. Yeah. That's, we were talking about that in the previous hour. It is uh, Talk With a Purpose is the show, Saturdays 9 till noon, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Jack Cashel is our guest. Jack is, a, uh, as I said, a prolific author, and he's here talking about his book, Untenable. And uh, it's a fascinating read, and it's uh, the story of, I guess, white flight in American cities. I'm curious about this, Jack. Yeah. Did anybody ever suggest or call you or uh, anything, the word racist, that that ever come up? <laughs> uh, if you're a, an outspoken, I'll admit, I'm conservative politically. I have been uh, ever since the Newark riots <laughs> when I was 19. Uh, I've been, I, anyone who's an outspoken conservative has been called a racist, but they've also been called a sexist, a fascist, a homophobe, <laughs> a classist, a xenophobe. Uh, and a climate change denier. So yeah. I, I've got the whole panoply. Okay. Uh, you know, I get called racist less often than you think because I'm willing to stand up and speak out. Yeah. So, for instance, I uh, I live in Kansas City now, but I, I participated in a uh, a reparations debate, a televised debate, a couple of months ago. Uh, and first of all, they had a hard time finding a second person to be on my side, right? Because people were afraid of the topic. Yeah. 
But I talked to the three blacks on the panel like I was talking to you. Yeah. I was telling them straight up how I feel, what I felt, what my lived experience was. And it's a, and it's, I have more lived experience than a lot of them because I grew up in the middle of this. And not only that, John, but I went back to the Newark Housing Authority to work. And this is in the 1980s. And I could see by then the city was a, a corpse and the housing projects were, frail. they were comically frightening. They were so bad. Right. We used to laugh about it all the time when I worked there because they were so out of control. It was like you're living in a science fiction movie and you weren't sure how it was going to turn out. Yeah. Uh, and but I knew I could see what had happened from the beginning. I could see what had happened. Even as a teenager, I could see what happened when you when you popped one uh, totally dysfunctional family in the midst of a, an otherwise you know benign neighborhood. Because my block had been. And Newark had been integrated since we moved there when I was five years old. Yeah. Our next door neighbors were black when we moved there. Yeah, uh, we bought. My father bought a home on that block when it was when the public school in the block was half black, and the neighborhood was probably ten percent black. And it maintained that balance for about ten years until the sixties. Yeah, and then the sixties, two major things happened. One was the inst- institutionalization of programs that rewarded fatherlessness. Uh, through the Great Society, et cetera. And the other was the uh, what we're seeing happen again now in the last three or five years, and that is the liberalization of the justice system so that uh, it became a notion of systemic uh, injustice, systemic racism. So the murder rate in, in Newark, for instance, multiplied sixfold from 1950 to 1972. That's not 6%. At six fold, six wow. times. Wow. Amidst a, a shrinking population. Nationwide, between 1960 and 1980, uh, violent crime increased 370%. Now, there was a period where we began to reel it back in. I mean, in New York, for instance, they elected Giuliani mayor in 93, and that was an enormous transition for the good. I mean, after 20 years of Giuliani and Bloomberg, yeah. New York City had reduced its homicide rate from 2,500 a year under Dinkins to less than 500 a year under, finally under Bloomberg. That's 2,000 lives a year being saved. Yeah. Well, most of them people of color. Um, that's possible. Uh, but now, boy, it's, it's gotten crazy. Oh, yeah. So crazy. Even the left are fleeing cities. And, but of course, they're not talking about it. Of or course. Are they attributing uh, racism to the motive for leaving? You know? Do you blame any one segment of the population for this white flight can you put your finger on if you had to put your finger on blame where would you put it i would put it in government uh particularly uh, I, I i'll be you know just to be i'll be partisan here uh, them, republicans aren't exempt from this but they're not the ones who've initiated the nonsense republicans failure is to stand by and let the nonsense happen for fear of being called racist um, the the primary victims of this are African-Americans. However, uh, they also become, in a sense, the perpetrators. They're transformed, a lot of them, into, uh, you know, the kind of people that would be, make you want to cross the street. And it's not an irrational mode, movement, because you know the crime differentials. If you live in a city, people who live in cities are forever making uh, these judgments. And you have to, even if the odds are only one in ten, that the person is going to mug you, that's not a chance you're willing to take. Just like if they said, hey, there's only a one in ten chance that the plane you're going to take is going to crash, 
No, you say that's not enough. You'd want a one in a hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, so people are always making judgments in that regard to not only where they uh, walk, but where they where they live, where they send their children to school, and it, those are rational judgments made by decent human beings. But if uh, a white person makes that kind of judgment, uh, he's there's the R word, the scarlet R, yeah. waiting to be popped on his chest. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's uh you know, I'm from Philadelphia and people have asked me over the years, would you move back there? And I said, not even if they paid me. <laughs> I mean, really. I, I wouldn't move there either, so what would you do? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, every day, every day, and I watch the news in the morning, especially this morning, you know, Seven people shot last night. I mean, a, a, a carjacking in addition to that. So I, why why would I live there? Why would I move there? It's, it's just it doesn't make sense to me. And, and and that's why your book is, is fascinating because, I mean, you trace the history of this thing. Um, yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask you, you make reference to um, several famous people. Right. But you made a reference to Michelle Obama. Yes. Uh, and I know you wrote a book about Obama, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But what were you referring to when you uh, referenced Michelle Obama? Well, you know, Michelle uh, grew up in uh, Chicago. And, uh, and she had very good, responsible parents, Marion and Frazier Robinson. Frazier did uh, work for the Daily Machine as a precinct captain, and he had a sort of a front job as a waterworks guy. I don't know what he did there exactly. Showed up every now and then to collect a paycheck. But they were good parents. And so when Michelle and her brother Craig, who's two years older or a little, uh, it came, came time for them to go to public school. And there was a brand new school a block away. But uh, it was filled with kids from the projects and nearby housing projects. And so they sent Craig for a year or two and then Marion Robinson said, that's enough. So what she did every day for two years is pack uh, the little kids into a car, drive them uh, 15 minutes south to a, a better neighborhood with a better school. That's a class D misdemeanor. But she was doing what uh, any responsible parent would do. And even though their kids are black, she and her, you know, Craig and Michelle are black, and the students at the local elementary school are black, she was fleeing the disorder and chaos that comes with uh, dysfunctional the children from dysfunctional families uh, living in a cluster and, and going to schools. So they come to uh, South Shore where they moved. It was in transition. Had been a Jewish neighborhood. It was had rapidly turned black even by the time they moved there. Uh, so there's now there's a public high school just down the street. You know, black largely ninety eight percent black, whatever. So rather than send Craig to public school, uh, Marion Robinson takes a job. So she could afford the tuition to send Craig to a, an almost over, an overwhelmingly white Catholic school, even though the Robinsons aren't Catholic. Again, this is what good parents do. Yes. Uh, Michelle, they send to a magnet school uh, downtown, more than an hour away by bus. Okay, that's all fair. Then Michelle gets up and starts talking about white flight two years ago at a public forum. And she's mirroring what she's heard all her life on the left and from the anti-racist cartel. And she says, you know, um, what happened was that when families like ours, respectable families like ours, move to a neighborhood, whites just 
up and left. And she goes, they were afraid of the, they, they were put off by the texture of our hair and the color of our skin. And, and she says to our audience, which is largely white, you're all running from us and you're all still running. And I, when I read that, I said, how frigging insulting can you be? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've talked to literally, you know, more than 50 people just for the book about why they left. Uh, she knows that's not the reason. When she moved to her neighborhood, it was already virtually all black. It had been a Jewish neighborhood. And as part of the reason I put ethnic in the title, John, is because uh, uh, each ethnic group responded differently. And even though Jews were the most, of, of ethnic groups, the most welcoming of black newcomers and the most accepting, they were also the first to flee. Yes. And the reason was they were dependent on public schools. And not only were they dependent on public schools, they were expecting good public schools. Yes. I mean, they had ambitions for their children. Yes. And they were, they were higher than those of other ethnic groups. Uh, and so they'd be gone very quickly. So by the time Michelle moves there, the neighborhood's essentially all black. She never see people fleeing. They were gone. And so she, she goes to school at the local elementary, which had, still had a, a, a fair residue of Jewish teachers and a good reputation. But her class, she gets punched in the face on the first day of class. Jeez. You know, the classes are disorderly and chaotic. Her mother intervenes, good mother, Marion Robinson, and uh, gets her place in a class for a privileged, special, you know, talented kids or whatever. So Michelle is exempt from the, the disorder around her. But uh, they've been running their she's been running her whole life away from uh, the chaos and disorder that comes from broken families uh, forming broken communities. And she's she all her life. Yeah, I mean, how how much further away can you get than friggin' Martha's Vineyard? Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, can you uh, hang on here? We have to do something called pay the bills. All right. Uh, you, you pay your bills. I'll be waiting. Okay. Uh, Jack Cashel is our guest. He is the author of the book Untenable. He's also written a lot of other books, and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on in the show. If you have a question for Jack, uh, certainly he welcomes your calls, 609-407-1450. The show is Talk With a Purpose. We will be back with our guest, Jack Cashel, after these words. Want to save money in these inflationary times? Write this number down, 855-910-1246, 855-910-1246. Text your number to that number, and you'll be part of BF Mazio's Text Message Club, where you'll receive specials and coupons that will save you money. BF Mazio, the finest fresh fruit and produce you'll find anywhere. Gift baskets, catering for all occasions, and more. 601 New Road, Northfield, online at bfmazio.com. Joe Yakovich is registered with and securities and investment advisory services are offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC is not an affiliated company. When it comes to you and your family's financial wellness, there are so many things to talk about. We could go on forever. To help guide you along the way, Joe Yakovich has written a book called The Heart of Your Money, Inspiration for Financial Wellness. In the book, Joe talks about longevity, inflation, retirement surprises, and many other topics. For your free copy of The Heart of Your Money, call the office of Joe Yakovich at JML Financial at 856-751-1771 or email joe at 
Jay Yakovich at BrokersIFS.com. For over 37 years, Joe Yakovich has been helping families throughout the area navigate the difficulties of a sound financial plan. You'll find Joe's approach to be different and not just the cookie cutter methods that are prevalent in today's world. The path to your financial wellness spend or retirement starts with a call to Joe Yakovich at JML Financial Group. 856-751-1771. 856-751-1771. Or email Joe at jayakovich at brokersifs.com. We are back here on Talk with a Purpose. Our guest is author Jack Cashel. And Jack has written the book Untenable, the true story of white ethnic flight from American cities. And uh, we're, we're discussing that. Jack, uh, where can uh, where can people get this book? You know, I would recommend, uh, it's a little selfish on my part, uh, to go to Amazon because that's where publishers keep score nowadays. Okay. And that's the, sure, the surest way. Some bookstores may have it, some may not. Uh, and, and some bookstores, and it's unfortunate, uh, tends not to want to stock books whose uh, theories they don't agree with. So it's just the reality <laughs> yeah. that authors live with today. So, yeah. uh, so Amazon.com is the best source. Yeah, I would say go to Amazon, okay. right? Okay. Well, uh, do, the, we have some folks who uh, have called and said they would like to get the book. So, yeah, um, yeah. Speaking of calls, uh, we have someone who wants to talk to you, Jimmy in Eagleswood. Jimmy, you're mm-hmm. on with uh, author Jack Cashel. Hey, hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I haven't called in a while, but again, it doesn't mean I'm not listening. I am fascinated. And let me tell you why. I don't really have a question. I just want to make a quick statement. When I was a young teenager, my father and his, and my uncles had to go into Newark and get their, their aunts out. So I'm that's just to put me chronologically in the correct place. So I remember all of this. And I have felt like this since I was a teenager. Listening to this... In, incredible interview i feel like i'm talking to myself over the radio it's bizarre <laughs> yeah and maybe because maybe because our voices maybe to me sound similar but i'm telling you i get goosebumps listening to what he's saying because i've been saying this forever and crazy enough the town i grew up in had a black family a very successful polite friendly black family and their name was robinson which is really weird because I'm yeah, starting right. to think, well, yeah, I'm starting to think, wait a minute, there must be a connection here. But anyway, this is fascinating. And here's without any racism attached with nothing uncomfortable. It's the absolute truth. Thanks guys. And I appreciate it. Thanks, and for, thanks for the call. Jim, yeah, Jimmy, he's exactly right. First of all, when he started talking, I said, you know, how refreshing it is. To hear people who sound like I do. You know, I live in Kansas City, so I don't get that very often. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, uh, you know, he said they deserve, he said, the, what this is, the truth. And I closed the book with the word, the truth. Because what I said, I'm writing really for my parents' generation, the ones who bore the brunt of this transition. And uh, I wish I had the book out. I've written it young, earlier so that the, more of them were still around. But I closed with, I said, the dispossessed. I'm talking about those forced into exile. They don't uh, need sympathy. They don't even want, you know, kindness or whatever. They just deserve the truth, the truth. And that's uh, what I aim for in this book. And it's a universal truth. Uh, As Dostoevsky once said, you know, tell the story of your village. And if you tell it well, you tell the story of the world. Yeah. Well, my village of of Roseville, a little slice of Newark, 
there's a thousand Rose Bowls all across America. And uh, the ethnic composition varies from one to another. This being New Jersey, ours is Irish and Italian mostly. Um, the, uh, uh, the, but the, the uh, pressures they faced were almost identical because they were facing uh, the uh, breakdown of community, the breakdown of family, uh, orchestrated intentionally or not. I don't know. I let that, the audience be the judge by uh, the federal government and particularly in, and, and executed by the local government as well, often just for the totally selfish purpose of, like, let's say, getting a demolition contract or something, uh, you know, street level kind of gangsterism, as in Newark was not unusual. But. Yes, <laughs> we we all remember the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Sopranos are, are based on a real live family called the Boyardos. I know, I, I and, read that, yeah, yeah. And, the, and what's funny is that I, when I was talking about when the, the uh, public housing first became a thing, you know, and they were clearing slums, slums, they had to call them slums before they could clear them. And that included the entirety of Little Italy, which was an amazing thing. And when you think about it, there were the Boyardos with their uh, demolition company. Uh, getting a slice of the action. So for some people, they cared less about their own communities. Uh, and this is good. It goes for blacks, whites, whoever, than they did about getting a piece of the action. Uh, we have someone else who wants to talk to you, Jack. Uh, Greg and Abseek. And Greg, you're on with author Jack Cashel. Mr. Massey, good morning. Good morning. Jack, good morning. Greg, yeah. Uh, this is as much a comment as a, a question in the end. The book could have been named Inevitable because that was going to happen to the cities regardless of what was taking place. Because I, we, I lived in a mixed neighborhood and we got along great. It was not a problem. We sent our daughter to a Catholic. There was a school two, two blocks away. We sent our, school to, our daughter to a school that was eight blocks away. She walked home with a crowd of people. By the time she got home, she was singular. Nobody else with her. Yeah. One day, somebody in February now, this is the middle of winter, someone, and I don't care what color they were, decided that they wanted her coat. Mm. So they took it. Yes. Jeez. Both my wife and myself, we worked. The school took the the Catholic school took the attitude. Well, that's your responsibility. Okay, that yeah. sounds reasonable to me. What's your responsibility? Well, you know what they none. did in my school, Greg. Uh, what they had to do in my I went to a Catholic school, and they are, are it was a great Catholic school. Uh, there was a thousand kids. I had sixty six kids in my one fourth grade classroom, but there was no ADD, no ADHD. Uh, they did a good job of holding not only the families together, but holding the neighborhood together. What we had to do at one point, though, is to stagger our, uh, the times we left school so it would not coincide with the public school so that our, the kids weren't uh, walking on the streets at the same time. And to your point, uh, and little girls are vulnerable. I, I talked to one woman, uh, and she said uh, she was mugged all the time. And I always persist in these things. And I said... What does all the time mean? You know, I mean, it's not all the time. She said about six times. Wow. Well, you're 11 years old. Six times equals all the time. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. You know? yeah. And the thing is, in that generation, 
Uh, my first smuggling occurred when I was nine. It made the newspaper because my father was a cop. And, uh, but after that, I stopped telling my parents, as, my, as this woman did, because we were free-range children. You know, we enjoyed our freedom. We were able to roam, you know, wherever we wanted. And we could not, did not want to have our parents rein us in. So, it, you know, we were, in a sense, rendered a little more vulnerable that way. But it was a sacrifice uh, many of us were willing to pay. Yep. Well, well, Greg, thanks for sharing. It, you pay it. Well, I have. I, I still have a question. Okay, go ahead. You you, um, you put up with a lot of things in all your life. When you get to your children, and you have no control over what's happening to them, that's what moves you. That's right. Yeah, and that's you why even though choice. we were. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, as as free range as we were, John, uh, I, I speak for myself and a whole lot of other people. We didn't allow our children the same freedom we were allowed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Greg, thank you. Thanks for the call. Six zero nine four zero seven fourteen fifty. If you have a question for Jack Cashel, um, I, I want to stay on on this book, but since we talked about Michelle Obama. And how ridiculous her statement was. Yeah. Um, you wrote a book about Obama. Um, what did basically what did you find about him uh, that maybe we don't know about? Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you noticed the thing the other. It's been on the news for the last couple of weeks about how he fantasized about having sex with men. You yeah. probably saw that. Yeah, I saw David that. David yeah. Garrow, the Pulitzer Prize winner, went public with this. Well, I had that quote in my book, Deconstructing Unmasking Obama, three years ago. <laughs> uh, it's just that the thing is, uh, only if, if someone in the mainstream media says something, other people in the mainstream will listen. People who are, uh, you know, in the alternative conservative media say something, we're, we're, we get ignored. But, you know, I got into the Obama stuff accidentally early on. In the, the summer of 2008, I was kind of bored. I got, had, I'd been busy on another project. I'd stuck in an airport. And I picked up a copy of Dreams from my father. And I started reading it. And I was about 20 pages in. I said, he didn't write this book. And, you know, I, I also, John, I do a lot of ghostwriting. I've written for other people more prominent than I am, about 30 books. Many of these people are household words. I mean, I'm, I, I don't talk about who they are, but... Uh, if a person's not a writer and he writes a book, he had someone else write the book. <laughs> yeah. A rule of thumb. Yeah. Right? So, and that's my, I did it. So I read in, I said 20 pages in, I said, no, that's not it. And then I started doing some research, started Googling around, doodling around. Wasn't making any headway. And then in, the, in September of 2008, this is before the election, uh, on another thread altogether, I picked up Bill Ayers' book, uh, Fugitive Days. And I started reading that. I wasn't even thinking that Ayers might have been a ghostwriter. And then I'm 20 pages into that. I said, bingo. I mean, the styles are identical. Yeah. And then I started going through both books, and I found overwhelming textual evidence that Bill Ayers played a major role in writing Dream from My Father. And I wrote a – I needed a lot of words to make my case. And I got turned down by all the respectable conservative media at the time. National Review, Weekly Standard, etc. And so finally, the American Thinker published it online. And uh, in his October 
early October 2008, a month before the election, Rush Limbaugh picks up the story and starts talking about it, right? And the evidence is, is simply overwhelming. It's not, there's nothing racist about it. It's just that uh, what it proves is he's a liar, that he lied not only about his relationship with Bill Ayers, but he lied about his um, ability to be, you know, he left to declared him a literary genius. I also pointed out that the story that he was telling was in large parts fictional. It wasn't true. I've just finished a memoir. I, my book is true. I mean, from beginning to end, there are no fact checkers going to find anything that's not factual. I mean, if you're writing a memoir. Why, why lie? <laughs> you know? But Obama did. So I knew he was just like, uh, not only was he uh, a fake intellect, but he was a, uh, a fraud and he was willing to lie his way to get into power. That is what I knew. Uh, and now it's widely accepted that Bill Ayers played a major role in Dreams for My Father. But when I came out with it at the time, back to your earlier question, you know, the, the way the left responds to a criticism of Obama and it set a dangerous and terrible trend. Yes. It's to simply call you a racist, right? Yeah, that's right. That's it. That's so I said, you know, I, I responded. I said, people have been challenging Shakespeare's authorship for 500 years, you know, because that's a, it's a kind of a, a literary game. That is, you know, if, there, if there's an element of literary fraud, there are other people who are literary detectives who want to snoop it out, you know. Yeah. I wasn't even looking for it when I found it. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's how I got started <laughs> yeah. in the Obama uh, canon. You know what I, I what I call him here on the show? I call What's him Saint Obama <laughs> <laughs> because because you can't criticize him. You're you're automatically a racist if you do. Uh, that's <laughs> right. You get, get excommunicated. That's from right. The church of, that's uh, right. You know, the church of polite society. That's right. In eight years, he was never criticized, and no, uh, it was amazing. Yeah. So a uh, scandal free. That was the phrase they used. Yeah. Scandal-free administration. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we have another break, Jack, and then, then we'll come back and we got a few more questions for you. Jack Cashel is our guest. He is the author of the book Untenable, and that's what we're talking about here on the show. Uh, and you can get the book at Amazon.com. Very easy to do. Uh, and I suggest you pick it up. We are coming back with more Talk With a Purpose in just a moment. If you're interested in driving one of the finest automobiles on the market today, then you'll want to check out all of the fabulous new and pre-owned Lexus at Lexus of Atlantic City. Lexus of Atlantic City, 3169 Fire Road and EHT. Driving a Lexus is like no other vehicle on the market. Test drive one for yourself at Lexus of Atlantic City. Whether it's new or pre-owned, you'll be more than satisfied. In fact, Lexus is consistently number one when it comes to customer satisfaction. Visit Lexus of Atlantic City. 3169 Fire Road and EHT. Or you can check out their outstanding selection of new, pre-owned, and L-certified pre-owned vehicles on their website, LexusofAtlanticCity.com. That's LexusofAtlanticCity.com. Or if you want more information, call 609-641-0008. Lexus of Atlantic City, now celebrating their 26th year in the area. A dealership that you'll enjoy. No pressure, no gimmicks, no hassle, no hype. Lexus of Atlantic City, 3169 Fire Road and EHT. And remember, always online at LexusofAtlanticCity.com. 
Your WPG Talk Radio 95.5 AccuWeather forecast for South Jersey. For this afternoon, mostly sunny with low humidity. Just a beautiful start to the weekend, high 81. Mainly clear, stargazing night, that low dip in a 56. Sunny, hot tomorrow. Smoke from distant wildfires will enhance both the sunset and sunrise for you. High 90 to wrap the weekend. Come Monday, hot and humid with sunshine mixing with clouds. High 95. I'm AccuWeather's Ruth O'Brien on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Back here on Talk With a Purpose, our guest, Jack Cashel. He wrote the book, Untenable. And again, it is available. Uh, the easiest way to get it is Amazon.com. And I suggest uh, you go there right now. Go on your computer or your phone or your laptop, whatever, and uh, order it. It's, uh, it's a good book, and you'll enjoy reading it. Jack Cashel, uh, Untenable. And, of course, you can check out all his other books. <laughs> like I said, he's a prolific author. <laughs> you like that word, huh, Jack? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it begins to add up for a while. You know, after you write like a, you start writing, you wonder at what point can you call yourself a writer, right? Yes. I mean, it's because that's a designation that other people should attribute to you, not you attribute to yourself. But after 17 books now, I feel comfortable saying I'm a, I'm a writer. Ah, uh, 17. That's a that's a piece of cake, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the first one is the hard one. Yeah. The first one, to get a book published, you know, by a real publisher, that's the hard part. You get that first one, it becomes progressively easier. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, Jim has called back. Uh, he wants to talk to you again. Jim in Eagleswood. Jim, hi. You're on with Jack Cashel again. Hey guys, thank you again. Listen, I was I was so shocked before about what I was listening to. I forgot to ask my question. Okay, <laughs> uh, Jack. Uh, Jack, do you are you still a Jersey guy? Uh, you know, I I spend a uh, a week every summer at the New Jersey Shore, uh, but I live in I live in Kansas City, and I have a I have a summer place where I am right now in in, uh, in Western New York State, right on Lake Erie. Oh, lucky you! Lucky you! Well, if you're ever in Jersey and you ever do a uh, book signing, post it somewhere because I got to shake your hand. <laughs> um, hey, Jimmy, where uh, you're an eagle? Okay, the uh, you know I did my uh, book TV presentation, which I would recommend you uh, you can go to uh, C-SPAN uh, and put in book, book TV and just put my name in. I did that in Seaside Heights um, a few weeks ago, so okay. that went well. It was a great crowd, and uh, I the shore is my I you know I grew up on the shore. I just I, I, I refuse to go to any other beach. <laughs> it seems to me. What part? Uh, what part of the shore? We always uh, went to the Seaside Park area, Seaside Heights, oh, Seaside Beach, that area. Oh, I know it well. Yeah. Spent, yeah, yeah. spent my life on Casino Pier <laughs> as a kid. Uh, I spent many a quarter there. I must say, uh, yeah. back when a, a quarter got you somewhere, right? Yeah, right. That truth. <laughs> All right. Well, I, um, do you have a website? Yeah, cashel.com. Thanks for asking. Oh, that's all. I'm going to go to it. Thank you so much. Jimmy, Bye. thanks for okay. the call. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jack. I forgot uh, I forgot to mention your website, cashel.com. I forgot to mention. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm I'm supposed to mention it. Cashel oh, okay. com is the website and of course the book is untenable. Okay, I got to ask you. This is a serious question. Yeah. You live in Kansas City. Right. You're from Newark. Right. Who did you root for in last year's Super Bowl? Uh, you know, I don't for I was Kansas City, of course. But uh, ah, Philadelphia, the... no, here's here's the trick. 
I, it was odd because I was in Ocean City last year. Uh, no, it was, was it this spring? I was in Ocean City in April. And uh, I just walked along the boardwalk in uh, Ocean City, and I, it was a cool day, and I, I had a Kansas City Chiefs jacket on. And the guy says to me, he goes, you've got your nerve wearing that here. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, see, and I, I forgot where I was. Right? <laughs> yeah. South, yeah. South Jersey is Philadelphia country. That's right. You know, Seaside on North is like a giant territory. Right, right. right. So you, you could have got away with it there, but not here. <laughs> and I grew up a Dodger fan. We thought, you know, all the time about that stuff, you know. But and I, by the time I was old enough to go to baseball game, the Dodgers were already gone. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm a sort of a, uh, you know, the NFL's. Um, I haven't fully recovered from their summer of kneeling. You know, just yeah, just that that was yeah. We we had a we had a field day with that one here on the show. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm. A, and the problem is, I'm not from Kansas City, so I, I'm not into the Chiefs the way other people are. You know, I envy them their 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 commitment when the Chiefs win, and they've been doing very well, obviously, the last bunch of years. But uh, uh, I just, I, it's not a passion. You know, we have another uh, caller wants to talk to you. Andy is in Brigantine. Andy, good morning. You're on with author Jack Cashel. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Jack, I I spent a week in Seaside Heights one night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a few people have done that. Probably in a, in a local uh, in a local uh, brig uh, down there, you know, the local uh, Hooskow. When was the last time you were at Seaside Heights? I was there in uh, July. Okay, uh, for, for it's a week, changed yeah. a lot since changed a lot since you were a kid, huh? Yes and no. It's uh, it had a period, a thuggish period that followed on the heels of the success of Jersey Shore, which was filmed there. Uh, okay, but and now it's it's reverted back to its family uh, orientation. I was surprised. Well, I'm, I'm I was pleased actually. I'm yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I I went there. I'm going to say uh, about. 20 years ago, I was dating a woman who said when she was growing up, they went there all the time. And sure. uh, so she and I and, and her two young children went. And um, at the time, I had a 67 goat convertible, and I was afraid to leave it there uh, unattended. She, We went up on the boards, and she couldn't believe how it had changed. And now, again, this is 20 years ago. I right. mean, it was nothing but, but tattoo parlors and piercing pagodas and, and places that sell underwear that says home of the Whopper in the front. You know, so. <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, with the, in the 2020, uh, they had a one shop on the boardwalk that only sold Trump memorabilia. So there, you know. <laughs> well, well, that, oh, well I'm, I'm ready to go back then. You know, it's yeah. interesting. Um, you, you were mentioning uh, Barack Hussein Obama and um, he, he was, he frequently brought up the word suburbs and whenever he used the word suburbs it was really code for the word white and um you know at what what's happening now is they're trying to drive uh, city dwellers into the suburbs they're they're, they're trying to uh bait uh, towns uh, uh, they're trying to bait the suburbs with government money if you if you don't allow this uh, low-income housing and Section 8 in your neighborhood, right. we will simply take away your federal funds. So right. 
they 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 kind of bribe these towns into doing it. And what what ends up happening, what I believe is the goal of this ultimately is a way of gerrymandering because we know the cities vote Democrat. So if you can move the city dwellers into the suburbs, you can change the Republican suburbs into Democrat enclaves so that the Democrats will win not only the cities, but the suburbs. And it'll be, you know, one party all the time winning. It's it's basically a form of gerrymandering. I think you're right, uh, because they're doing that all over the country. uh, And they meet resistance, too. Uh, but, and, but what happens is they take over these little, you know, small town city councils, you know, the activists, and they, before anyone knows it, they're approving, you know, new uh, Section 8 low-income housing. I was there at the launch of, uh, I worked for the Housing Authority, uh, both in Kansas City and, and, and Newark. I was there at the launch of the Section 8 program, and I said, this is a disaster. Uh, and they said, why? I said, well, this isn't like school vouchers, because what you're doing now is you're taking families you're encouraging them to cheat, and you're putting them into neighborhoods where one or two families like this could could uh, drive a, could destroy a block. How many? You only need one crack house on a block to destroy a neighborhood. And uh, but they no one listened. Even Republicans signed on because they thought it was somehow like school voucher program. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, for about four or five, I, I live in Brigantine. You're familiar with Brigantine, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I've lived full-time in Brigantine for seven years now. When I first moved there full-time, um, I, I live in a twin, and on the other side of, of the wall, so I had basically two layers of sheetrock and a two-by-six separating me from the people on the other side of the wall, and there were, there were uh, a middle-aged man and woman living there off the government, both uh, on disability, and neither one of them was disabled. If you saw them walking around, you'd never suspect either. But they were milking the system, and I used to leave my house when it was dark and come home when it was dark, and, um, you know, and these people had done nothing all day but sit on their steps, smoke cigarettes, drink coffee, and then drink booze and fight. And and I thought, you know, um, do, do, do Section 8 people... Uh, it might sound like a horrible thing to say, but I'm just going to say it. I mean, do, do people who um, uh, live off the system deserve to live on an island two blocks from the beach when I had to work my backside off to, to get a place like that? And now I have to look at their shopping carts in the front lawn while mine's manicured and landscaped. And there's it, it was like the Munsters living next door to the Cleavers, really. They finally <laughs> moved out. Oh, the monsters weren't that bad. They they didn't have shopping carts in their front lawn, anyhow. No, that's I mean, true. No, you're that's right. True. But that's the story. Story times times thousands and thousands and thousands. Just that, for instance, uh, I, I tell talk about this in the book. And uh, a woman named Leah Bustan, who's a professor at Princeton, and writes an op-ed in the New York Times a few years ago, uh, really touting her own book on white flight, which won some kind of major award, and. She writes, uh, it's trying to decide what was the motivating factor for white flight. And she said, was it well, pure racism or was it a combination of racism and economics? And at the end, she says, what makes my job hard is that very few people, very few of the people who left the cities of white flight uh, left accounts. And she goes, you know, in fact, if asked, I don't think most of them would know why they left. And I laughed out loud when I read that. And then I went to the comment section. Uh, and I thought these people, well, this is New York Times readers, 
one after another told stories exactly like yours. I'm, you know, I'm living in this neighborhood, and all of a sudden, people next door are having parties all night, leaving shopping carts out of front lawn. From New Haven, from Philadelphia, from Detroit, Chicago, Baltimore, Camden, up and down uh, the northeast, north central United States, out to California, one story after another. And as one person said to, in his uh, response to Bustan's article, how could you possibly write a story, a book about white flight, and not mention either crime or schools? And that's these are the people who are controlling. Uh, the narrative today and have been controlling it for the last 60 years. And I wrote Untenable to uh, vindicate those people who haven't had a voice and who haven't had a chance to correct the record. Okay, Andy, thanks for the call. Uh, One more call, Bob and Kate May. Bob, good morning. Hey, great topic, Jack, and uh, uh, you know, good job there on John DeMassey. Hey, look, I kind of lived with you're talking about, Jack. Uh, I grew up in, in an area of Philadelphia. It was like a few blocks away from Fishtown. And Fishtown was a real life, you know, I, I think it sounds like you've read a lot of Charles Murray, who I've read a lot yes. of, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and greatest sociologist of the last century. And, you know, in, 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 in Fishtown, okay, you didn't have much money, but it was a decent, decent place to live. Okay, and and yet Murray contrasts that with Belmont in Massachusetts, high high end income, and you know it. it he talked about in his book, which is you know it was a great book. It was called uh, uh, Losing Ground. Was that it? Losing Ground. Correct. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he talked about the the, the same ills that have befallen the black community for the last sixty years, just starting starting to hit the weight white working class really great and you know in, in his book in, uh, published in 1984 Losing Ground the correlation is there the destruction of the black family has led to all these social ills and that happened with Lyndon Johnson I th- you may have mentioned that I, I didn't tune sure. into the whole yeah. hour but that's where it all stems from this this idea that we were going to fix all the ills the societal ills through government cr- programs and money it's been an absolute disaster. This, you cannot replace the father. That That is the key message here. You cannot replace all the government money and programs in the world. If you take a strong father away, you will have... You will have children that grow up into monsters as adults. That's the reality. And, and that's what's f- destroying a lot of these big cities. It's made, As you said, and in, in, I really need to get your book. It's, it's making these... Ha- these big cities hell holes i drove my parents i I was gonna say you're exactly right i mean that's it in a nutshell right yeah uh go ahead continue sorry no no, i'm sorry i I don't want to filibuster here but i drove to my parents grave site in philadelphia last year the expressway was closed so i took the the uh the city route, all right. Oh, through, oh. All right, I, I, I got off, John. You, you probably know. I got off the Ben Franklin Bridge, drove about about four or five miles down down Fifth Street, and oh, boy. it was an absolute. Oh. I knew what I was going to encounter. It was an absolute wasteland for all like five miles. Every block, about half the homes were abandoned. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not last break. Oh, sorry. Oh, we 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 uh, we dropped them. <laughs>
uh, accidents happen here on Radio Jack. <laughs> no, he was his point was well made. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, because I when I when I was doing this book, I I have a cousin who's uh, still in the North PD. My father was a cop. My uncle, several of my cousins, uh, and he gave me a two day tour. You know, and we went everywhere. And when people and I get asked this by you know when I'm doing shows up in that part of the world, they say, uh, "Oh, you think North can come back?" No, <laughs> no, no, not unless you. Not unless you raise it to the ground and start over. I mean, it is, uh, you can always have a little cosmetic, you know, cleaning on downtown because there's a lot to be said about uh, its location and everything. But uh, no, it's it's, uh, it's been dead for 60 years and it's unfortunate and it never had to happen. That's the shameful thing. Jack, uh, one final question. What do you see sure. as, as the future for America since you wrote this book? Well, you know, I'm I'm an optimist by nature, and I like to think good things will happen. And you know, when I see terrible things happening, I think, well, someone somewhere is finally going to get some sense. You know, when I saw the Oakland NAACP come out for uh, stronger police and the defund, uh, you know, movement, et cetera, I thought maybe this is the fine kind of awakening we need because they have to wake up. Half of America is awake; they take care of themselves. They're the ones who own weapons and, and live in small towns. And uh, try that in a small town, right, as Jason Aldean said. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I, the woke have to wake up. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. And unless they do, they're they're destroying. How can you destroy San Francisco? They did. Yeah, How they can did. you destroy Portland? They did. Yeah. And uh, and that's not an issue of black or white in those cities. No. That's just a, an issue of... of dysfunctional government and self uh, uh, willingness to self-destruct. It's crazy. Yeah. Jack, we really thank you for uh, spending a lot of time with us. Uh, the book is Untenable. Jack Cashel is the author. His website, Cashel.com. And uh, if you want the book, go to Amazon.com. Get yourself a copy. It's a very, very good book. And uh, look, I read it in a week, so <laughs> that's, well, that's, un- good sign. that's unusual for me. So uh, <laughs> no, it's, a, it's meant to be, it's written to be read. That's yes. what I tried to do. You know, yes. so. Jack, uh, thanks a lot uh, and uh, continued success as an author. And uh, maybe we'll have you back to talk about your next book. Hey, John, anytime. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you. Good show. Thank, Thank you. you. Jack Cashel, Untenable. And again, uh, Amazon.com, go to that and... Um, you will uh, be very pleased to pick up a copy of that book. Well, we uh, thank you. Uh, boy, the, the time flies when you're having fun. Thanks to Jack Cashel, uh, our guest, for uh, pe- being here and talking about Untenable. Thanks to Chris Coleman, our program director and producer, for use, uh, doing his usual great job. And, of course, thanks to you for being here every week without fail. Without you, no show. It's it's very, very simple here. No listeners, no show. <laughs> okay. Um, next week, of course, we'll have Joe Yakovich back to talk about finances and uh, usual stuff. That Hey, we never run out of things to talk about here on the show. So, uh, <laughs> and if we do, we just talk about Trump. That's, what else could I tell you? Talk about Trump. I'm John DeMassey. Thank you for listening. Have yourself a great week. We will do it all over again next week, next week, next Saturday. Talk with a purpose here. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, also heard on 1450 AM and 
WPGTalkRadio.com on our website. You take care of yourself. The preceding program was paid for and presented by John DeMassey.